After a long hiatus, we are back. Welcome to Real Chronicles, brought to you by RealTalkInc.com. I'm your host, David. I'm joined with Mr. Leo. Yo, yo. Miss Jen. Hey, guys. Mr. Chris. Hello, everybody. And joining us from the Movie Confessions podcast and off the Joker set, Mr. Ben. What's up, Ben? I'm going all right, man. How's everybody? Good, good. Good. So it's been a long time. And there a lot... We took a month off because Jen and I moved. We did. We moved into a new apartment. And moving sucks. I don't think I ever want to do it again. And I didn't anticipate how much work it is. (laughs) Um, But yeah. Ditto. (laughs) I feel like Chris moved with us because Chris helped us a lot with the paint and all that fun stuff. He told us what to buy and what not to buy. He did. I feel like spiritually, Chris was with us. I did also tell you to hire movers. But you didn't listen to that part. <laughs> well, no, we did hire movers. Actually, but, uh, there's a, there, uh, no, not enough. Was, there's a fail. There's actually. a quick, quick, fun story on the movers. That Nothing to do fail. with movies, but we hired the movers, and um, we got them. Off I took Task Rabbit. So I took two days off of work. One day for the movers, the next day for people to just come and help build stuff. Right. So the movers came in four hours late from oh, their scheduled damn. time. That's lit. Four hours. So what ends up happening was they still had to go to my old place to get my stuff. All good. Jen had set up the boxes to be put in specific rooms. Yeah, yeah. Color-coordinated labels. (laughs) (laughs) You think they did that? They did not do that. I mean, if I saw that, I wouldn't put them where they belong either. (laughs) (laughs) This is a challenge. They literally put them (laughs) against the wall in in our dining room. Yeah. Cool beans. Whatevs. It is what it is. They helped me bring the bed up at least, Got a which lot is of heavy. Muscles. Cool. So the that fun we... part of this story is they go back to my place and they're like, you know what? Can you just, I had already started bringing stuff downstairs because we don't have an elevator. So Leo, you've been to my place. Chris, you've been to my place. So you also had your friend Steve with you. Yeah. So we had already stuff downstairs ready to be taken out. They told us the two movers are like, how about you bring the stuff from upstairs downstairs and we'll just. Like a, like a, like a... An assembly line? An assembly line. Yeah. Hey. I was like, all right, cool. I'm not getting paid for this. I'm paying you, but sure. That's not what pissed me off. That's incredible. When we get back to my place, they started pour, putting stuff in the basement and thinking that me and my boy were going to bring everything upstairs. Yeah. So then you know what Jen did? Jen went downstairs and I started crying on them. And immediately they changed their tune because that's how it works. Yeah, men, men hate when women cry, and so uh, you, not, I not the right man. I needed to do. Uh, <laughs> I needed like, to do I don't what care. I had to do. So I cried. Also, I was very stressed out, but it was just it was just naturally flowing out of me. And then they uh, were like, "No, no, don't worry, we're gonna bring it upstairs. Don't they worry." They got super nice. And then they gave me a little discount at the end. Yeah. That's Jen, right. did, Jen, did you give them a tip? No, I did not tip <laughs> them. And I tip every service person, especially for a job well done. I give you a good tip. So, no, they didn't get it. She's like Macaulay Culkin in Home Alone 2. Lots of gum is given away. Lots of gum. No, not gum. gum. 
So let's round. Let's bring this back to movies. Anyway, um, is that what we do here? Yeah, that's what we do here. Uh, so we're gonna movies we're, and TV. I t- kind of took the best. Yes, yes, movies and TV. Women's rights. Women's rights. Women's rights. Um, I t- kind of took the best. Actually, forget it. It's equality. Okay. Yes, equality. Equality, for both. equality yeah. everywhere. That's what it should be. So <laughs> Chris laughs. I took a little bit of the best of the last few weeks, and we're gonna run through some news items real quick. So the first thing. Uh, Chris and I are huge Ghostbusters fans. Ben, I don't know if you're into Ghostbusters as much as we are. So uh, I would say, you know, yeah, I like the originals. I don't know if as controversial, I felt that the the reboot was harmless, but it was pointless for it being a remake. But yep. anyways, we got this new film coming out. Go on. Yep. So with that being said, Dan Aykroyd has confirmed that he will be in Ghostbusters 3. And I'm saying Ghostbusters 3 because I don't know what the official title is yet. So... If he's in it, and then there was rumors that Bill Murray was on set, so we're getting the original cast, and I can't wait. Uh, Plus, Sigourney Plus. Weaver. Sigourney Weaver. No, yo, Paul Rudd. Oh, well, that we announced that a few weeks ago. I know, but you know, like you can't forget. Announce him. it again. Paul yeah. Rudd will be in Ghostbusters. Oh do my you, god! Do you think he becomes Jesus. Ghostbusters? Like he's keep a, it in your a pants, Ghostbuster? Chad. <laughs> uh. <laughs> <laughs> she couldn't. Ki- it's funny. Oh, she man, she was very know. upset she didn't meet him at Comic Con. Yeah, but I couldn't pay. I couldn't pay that much money. I only did it for my second How much? true love. Two twenty five. American? Two American. Two twenty five for two seconds of a photo. Yeah. Yeah. I love Paul Rudd. I mean he totally would have been worth it, but nah. You know, I'm at a cro- I'm at a crossroads of spending money on meeting people. Michael Keaton is starting to do cons. And I his might, that might be the And the his price Chris is his price is two twenty five and two hundred. For an auto. Damn. Uh, hard, uh, hard Michael Keaton, man. Michael Keaton. Is that 225 no, for a picture? Can I ask something? Go ahead. Yeah. Because uh, I do remember that one photo I think you guys took with Carrie Fisher. Now, was that a much more better experience for paying for from oh. when you so met her? I can, she was yeah, I'll let Jen go bucks. first. Yeah, so <laughs> like not only was she a so better great. not only was she a better experience with price, she was just a generally wonderful like person. She took a lot of time with you, like when you got your stuff autographed, and like she would do this thing with fans where she would like put glitter on you. So like if it was a girl, she would put it like in your hair. If it was a guy and you had a beard, she would throw some glitter in your beard. Like she was just very personable. And during the picture, and she wasn't standoffish. She just she wants yeah, you to be like right she on hugged her. You. Like she even you know she used to go around with her dog Gary. So uh, Gary was in Gary's the, in, in our the picture. picture too. So she was like great. Like it would think it was eighty for the autograph and. And like what 80, 80 for, the, for photo, the photo but which is very and this was like right around fourth th- awakening and it was time. no it was three months before she before, passed away yeah. well yeah it was three months before she passed but fourth it was Awakens yeah it was a year before out, yeah no? it was so a year she could have raised her price but she didn't meanwhile like mark hamill was like five hundred dollars yeah <laughs> but she was fantastic I remember stallone like, stallone was like 400 stallone's 400 yeah. i remember uh when chris told me he met mark hamill and i this was right around the time they announced him for comic-con and I and I actually spoke to Chris. I'm like, because he had met him. I'm like, how much did you pay? And he, what did you say, Chris? It was like forty bucks or something like that. Something like that, yeah. Yeah, and I'm like, oh. okay, perfect. I expect it to go up. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, probably like a hundred bucks. I'll do Mark Hamill for a hundred bucks. It's fucking Mark Hamill. The t- the the ticket prices for Comic Con comes out for for him. It's like four hundred for an auto and three hundred for a photo. Jeez. Out. In the words of Chris. Out right away. It was just not yeah. something I want to do. Michael Keaton though is yeah. at the top of my list. It's like him and Al Pacino, and Al Pacino will never do a uh, convention. So that's yeah. 
not going to happen. I think the only person I'm going to spend that much money for would be Harrison Ford. And he doesn't seem like he has the personality to do a convention. No, probably not. Uh, so uh, I'm, uh, I'm good. I'm saving money. <laughs> uh, I mean, you wouldn't even have a conversation wait, with him. He'd be like, Chris, oh. would, would you do that for Tom Brady? No. Tom Brady just opened up a store down the street, and he's going to play football forever, so <laughs> <laughs> he's busy. All right, so moving off that, uh, in DC news, Jonah Hill and Jeffrey Wright are in talks to, pl- to be in the Batman, Jeffrey Wright to play Commissioner Gordon, Jonah Hill to play in an unnamed role, but I don't know what's going on with that because he wants double the money that uh, Robert Pattinson is getting. Yeah. I don't think that's going to happen. Fat Joker. Fat Joker. I I, I have a theory on that, if you don't mind me. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. So, yes, he's asking for $10 million, and you can argue, technically, that because he's an Oscar-nominated actor, it's like, look, I got this. I feel the $10 million is maybe because, now bear with me, what if the studio is trying to persuade him to be more of Penguin? Because that would kind of be an obvious choice. Yeah. And maybe with him, that's an obvious choice. Like, uh, give me $10 million, and I'll consider it. Because it's what between Penguin and Riddler, you think yeah, he'd be getting? Those, those I sorts? think those are the two that were in line. Because I think there's going to be seven villains in this. So, oh yeah, uh, long. Because I think it's it's in it's long Halloween. So I I actually I see where you're coming from there. I mean, I I feel like it's more of the negotiation thing. Give me ten million, I'll take four million or five million or something along those lines. Yeah, that's where that's where I'm at with that. I mean, he's good. He's great. I love Jonah Hill. I just don't think I, he should be paying. Like if not the Jack Nicholson, Michael Keaton yeah, thing. Of yeah. course, yeah. Nicholson's going to get paid more for playing the Joker than yeah, Michael Keaton. More is it, this is yeah. completely well, right. different. At that point in time, Nicholson had way more money Everything. And Pattinson is more of an indie darling now. Yeah. I mean, I forget. Yeah. Fuck the Twilight stuff. I was talking about like yeah, his, recently, real, his recently, real movies. Yeah. He was good in Twilight. He did exactly good, what excuse he me? did. Excuse me? He did exactly, what, he, okay, okay, okay. He did gonna, exactly gonna, what he was supposed to do. Be bare. Sparkle. Be really bad. Let me come in with another. The movie was bad. I was going to say, let me come in with another opinion about that when right, it comes to Pattinson. Go ahead. Because, of, like, in regards, it's like, okay, if anyone has actually read those books, could you say he was not exactly not playing that character? Because from what I talked to from previous Twilight readers, is like, that's how the character was in the book. So it's like, oh, okay, yeah. he did it. I read the books. I read all okay. of them. Yeah, no, he definitely, exactly. Like, he was exactly what he was supposed to be. Like, there was no... He wasn't supposed to be, you know, like this edgy. And then even like uh, the guy that played Jacob, uh, I forgot his Taylor name. Taylor Lautner. Oh yeah, Taylor Lautner. He was. I don't know why that, that came in my head. I think you know why. <laughs> I think I think, I think, I think, I think, I think you, you know. I think you know the damn right why. Yeah, you usually butcher people that you yeah. actually know and you knew his name. Look so, at you. I have seen Twilight. No, I have seen the Twilight movies. I think they're absolute garbage. I remember um, actually enjoying the last one. And I, I don't know if you guys have seen it. I was literally, oh. I was like, okay, this isn't that bad. Then you get to that really, not great, but very good end battle scene. Like the battle scene in like the snow, I think? Yes. Yeah, that was yeah. pretty dope. And then all of a sudden, scene, it's actually. all in the fucking person's head out. I didn't even finish the movie. I don't know how it ends. I mean, I turned it read, off right there. If you read the book, you knew I audibly what laughed. it was going to be. When, when that happened? Good. Yeah. I, like when they saw that ridiculous baby head, I audibly laughed. <laughs> it's. It's it's my opinion. The outside of Fifty Shades, the worst franchise like of all time. It's fucking terrible. But it's exactly. But what Robert it's Pattinson is be. a great actor, so I'm glad he's yeah. gonna be Batman. I I hope he's bulking up. I haven't seen any recent pictures of him. He just needs to bulk up, and he's fine. That's it. Oh, you know, like Fifty Shades was like Twilight. Yeah, I know fan Twilight fiction. fan fiction, okay. and just as bad. Um, in other great news, 
Oh wait, the Jeffrey Wright would be playing Commissioner Gordon. How do we feel about that? I'm down for it. Yeah, yeah I, I, I love it. Jeffrey cool. Wright. I mean, here's the thing. He, he they already technically race bended, which I don't know if anyone's whatever with that word. Race bended uh, his character from um, the James Bond films because if I'm not mistaken, yeah. that character is supposedly white. Yep. So it's like okay, no problem there. Yeah, yeah I have no problem with that at all. Uh, yeah. And then moving on to some Jurassic World news. Sam Neill, Laura Dern, and Jeff Goldblum will be in Jurassic World 3, but not cameos. They're going to be actually part of the plot of the film, which... Are they going to be their characters? No. Yeah. yeah. Oh, they are. <laughs> Who else would they be? They're going to be no, Laura Dern? I don't know, because sometimes you might bring back the actors, but maybe they weren't going to be no, the same people. They're going to be... It's a valid question. Dr. Ian guys. Malcolm oh, is back. Oh, and, snap. and Laura Dern's about to win an Oscar, know. so... She's going to have a marriage story. That's oh, a lock. That's story? a fucking lock. She's winning the Oscar. Are you sure? Yes. How do you know? That's my first. Because uh, have you seen what's in Best Supporting Actress? No. What's in Best Supporting Actress? You'll find out in a few minutes. Okay. Uh, <laughs> wow. He plugged himself. That's uh, <laughs> And <laughs> in great Marvel news, Spider-Man is back in the MCU. Yay. Ooh, with a yeah, rumor going around that Disney. I don't know how accurate Wait, this is. This Disney is just a rumor I heard. Disney wants to buy Spider-Man from sony and they offered five billion dollars i still that's think with a b i think that's still too little it for, is for what spider yeah for, for what spider-man what will make. bring yeah. yeah because you're not yet now here you're not just getting spider-man you're getting everybody you're getting carnage you're getting venom yeah. spider you're getting the spider-verse yeah. so i All right, well disney priced it where they think appropriate that i don't think i'm sure sony's not taking that sony may take it what else do they got for them they can make, yeah, but they, they're going to make billions off that spy, into the Spider-Verse yeah, anyway. That's why, because they would lose that. They would lose into the Spider-Verse. And they that, was probably arguably, that was probably arguably their best movie last year. Yeah. yeah it really I think was. it was one of the best comic book movies of yeah. all time But at do this we point. think like, the head of Sony is as smart as Bob Iger is? No. No one's no, smart as Bob Iger. But he is very really much... Really dying uh, to read his book. But I'm he's just very much a petulant in... child, though. Yeah. Because that's how the whole thing got started. Yeah. I mean, and you guys read that Tom Holland was... The main reason that the deal was made. What do you mean? Like he went to Sony. Oh, he asked yeah. to really. Yeah, I did not hear he that. He got involved in the negotiations and stuff like that. Well, he should. He's the star, and he has he has that power right now to say, yeah. "Hey, because everybody, first of all, loves him, and they wouldn't dare to recast him." And you got to film these movies while he's still young. Yeah. Because like, if you wait and you ruin the moment, because next you're year out on a lot. Right, Spider Man. The yeah. next Spider Man is in two years and. I don't know if you guys can correct me if I'm wrong. He will be a senior, right? Or will yeah. he be out of high school? Oh, after the blip, I don't even know. <laughs> that is true. That, that is true. The blip. In um, other Kevin Feige news, he is going to be producing a Star Wars film, which make a Star Wars trilogy, which makes me realize that all these rumors that Disney wants Kathleen Kennedy out are true, and Kevin Feige will be running Star Wars in five years. Any disagreements here? The five years timeline is a little aggressive, but I think you're right. I think that that's like exactly what this kind of calls out. Jen? Yeah, I guess. She's getting so much blame for this new trilogy, which I happen to enjoy. It's pretty good. Yeah. It's and she's now getting, I don't know if you... I don't, you, I don't know if you guys are into Disney parks. Jenny I don't think she's the only one getting blamed, but because she is the face. 
Yeah. It's very easy. But she's, she is not the only one making she's this movie. Also there getting, are many, many moving parts. Well, she's also getting blame for, as the for, executive. for people that are into Disney parks. She's also getting blame for the failure of Galaxy's Edge. What? How? Yeah, but that she shouldn't be because that is all Disney and Imagineering and every well, she and had a, construction. Because she, they should have opened those parks when both of those rides not, were it open. It has nothing to do with the parks. I was going to get to why no. she's getting blamed. So she's getting blamed because she had a, she was involved in the creative process of Galaxy's Edge. For anyone that knows, Galaxy's Edge has nothing to do with the original characters. When you ho- when you opened uh, ho- uh, uh, the Hogsmeade and uh, uh, someone helped me out with the and universe. Harry Potter. Harry, Harry Potter. Potter Harry Potter world. Yeah. It was still self-involved in the characters of Harry Potter with the characters like Hermione, so Harry Potter. Invested. The core characters that brought people to the, to the okay. dance pretty much. Galaxy's Edge has n- there's no Luke, there's no Han, there's no Leia, there's it they she wanted it to disappear from what we knew and focus on this new trilogy, which is fine, but at the same time we know what brought you brought everyone to Star Wars. It wasn't these new characters. But aren't there like certain references yeah. anyway, like the Cantina? The Millennium Falcon. Like that's the, old the Millennium Falcon, unfortunately I mean I'm glad it's there, but the Millennium Falcon story in the ride has nothing to do with Han. It has to do with uh, someone that that Ray and Chewie lent the Falcon to. So hmm. there is no, and the Cantina is not our Cantina. It's not the Cantina. I know, so, but there's still. So know, it's it she's getting blamed for that. That's pretty much it. what. That's interesting. So it's it's very interesting what's going to happen with that. I mean, I have no problem with the new trilogy. I don't know what Chris and Ben feel. I I just think that. Wow. They want I her like out. It. They want her out, and you can tell that this You're is the first out, step yeah. that they're getting her out. I mean, it's it's it seems like they were trying to do like the Marvel formula with Star Wars, obviously. But I don't know. I get the fact that there there were just creative clashes all the time between the heads and what she wanted to do, and the whole new trilogy aspect and the old stuff that we loved about Star Wars. So I just think this is all just like one big circle jerk with everybody of like, well, we should have done this. We should have done that. Well, somebody, somebody's head has to roll. Kathleen, you're going to have to do it. Yep, I agree. And then Kevin Feige has done nothing wrong in 12 years. So, I mean, if you call Thor Dark World wrong, but outside of that. <laughs> That's like the only thing. That Iron Man 2. And Iron Man 3. Iron Man 2. Iron Man 3. Uh, but outside of that, I mean, I... I about I'm, Incredible Hulk? I like Incredible Hulk. Like I may be the only one that likes Incredible Hulk. I like it, but no. it, it, I don't hate it. But yeah, do, do you actually like it, Leo? Incredible Hulk. Yeah, yeah, that was good. Oh. Yeah, outside of Ragnarok, yeah. I don't like the first two Thor's. I don't know how Norton would have been in the cast. No, I, Ruffalo. But, uh, Ruffalo is fucking perfect. Yeah, and I don't think, I don't think he, he Edward Norton. I like Ed Norton, like but he's, he's not. He's a very dry actor. He doesn't. I don't think he has a personality. Yeah. Because Ben, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think. Has he ever done a comedy outside of Birdman? If you want to count Birdman a comedy. Uh, he did a Wes Anderson film, Moonlight, Moonrise Kingdom. Oh, Moonrise. How was that? I actually own it, but I haven't seen it. Eh, to me, I mean, it, it is like one of his films. He <laughs> was, in a way, his hey. character. I love Wes Anderson. No, no. I like <laughs> but it's too, a Wes but Anderson it's like, film. But, yeah, no, I get you. Yeah, but I'm trying to think. Like, with all the ways his film is, his style, his aesthetic, it's like, yeah, the way Norton is. I guess you could say... It is dry, but he, it's like dry trying to get trying to do like a Mr. Oh, let's do this like a Boy Scout type of thing. But gotcha. it's like, I don't know. It's still Norton being Norton in that yeah, sense. Yeah, I got it. I got you. I mean, it, so I mean, they made the right choice there. But in terms of Feige, I give it five years, like I mentioned, because I think 
uh, Leo, you and I talked off the air. He has to man the Spider-Man movies. Yeah, because that was part of the deal that he had back with the uh, with Spider-Man coming back is that he has to be a producer for the new Spider-Man movie. And I yeah. think that's like 2023, 2024, yep. I think. So, I mean, he can do both. Ah, that's a that's tough. That's tough. Okay, can he do his so, team? Go, oh. go ahead, Ben. I was going to say in regards to that because, you know, we hear all this, you know, he manages Marvel now he's going to take on Spider-Man or going to do whatever he does with Spider-Man. And Star Wars, it's like you don't feel like he's going to maybe possibly stumble a bit where it's like, oh, I got to do that, I got to do that, I got to do that, where it's like, can he really do all this? That's why I think he's going to give up Marvel. But I think he yeah. has Marvel, you know, he's planned already got it set out up, yeah. for... But if he has the right people underneath him and he's a successful manager, which clearly we've seen that, and he delegates and he does, then I think it'll be fine. Yeah, I mean, on the I have zero concern that he'll I mess up Marvel. There's zero concern on that. And I, I mean, I love the new Star Wars stuff, so I can't really complain. So we'll see what happens on that. Uh, uh, go I ahead. can just say it's a quick, real quick, because I know you said, oh, how do I feel about Star Wars? Uh, just real quickly. Uh, Force Awakens. I just saw them as basically having to do a bit of a re- remake because with everything that the prequels did, people needed to kind of get back on board. Agreed. I loved, I yeah. loved Rogue One. Fair. I thought like, wow, great to have this. I did not feel Last Jedi all the way for two reasons. I would say some of the creative choices, I was like, eh. And it just didn't really feel grand as Star Wars to me. Whereas we went to different worlds and different places. This was just locked into like two central conflicts and then the cancel bite thing, which I didn't like. But I digress. And Solo found fun, but I don't know. I I won't get too much into it, but there was only maybe a few moments I bought um, Alden Ehrenreich as Han Solo. That's all I'll say about that. (laughs) Yeah, I felt... Uh, Solo was very harmless. Like you saw it, you forgot it, kind of set it and forget it, kind of deal. Yeah. Like I liked it, but I, you know, I haven't gone it, back. It doesn't to stand it. out. Yeah. So I mean, and then Mandalorian looks great. So we'll see what <laughs> what happens with that. Cannot wait. Well, a month, less than less than thirty days now from Disney Plus, and our lives will be. Yeah. We'll, we'll all be the characters from Wally. By the end, of, by the end of like 2025, this is how it happens. This, this is how it is happens. How it, this and Skynet is all about to come together. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, I heard, I heard a rumor. I read a rumor. I didn't really dig into it. Probably um, in that age. Back in July, we <laughs> right? talked about the big baddie. Chris, you were on for this about for the next phase. So there's a rumor. I don't know how. Like I said, I don't know how legit this is, but Liam Neeson is in talks to play Galactus. How are we feeling? Huh? Really? I think Galactus is too early. Thank yeah. you. Yes. That 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 doesn't seem right, especially what they're no. going for. And honestly, as him, I don't know. I, I he is he is imposing in some sense, but something like that as Galactus, I can't buy it. Yeah, because I, I mean, it's all, it's all going to be CGI anyways. So like, I I could see his voice, but like, oh yeah, I just I thought I think, I think the character's too early. Well, like, no, I, think, I don't think like here here hear me out on this, Chris. I was talking to Lee off the line. Yeah. So this phase four feels very much like phase one as in terms of like we didn't know that thanos was going to be the big baddie until the end of avengers we don't know who the big baddie is going to be i think to the end of this phase so right now i think this phase four feels like phase one in terms of like you're establishing let us fall in love with these characters the way you made us fall in love with thor and iron man and half hulk and thor and you know and captain america and you know so i think that's what this is going to do Rather than at the end of this, you're going to introduce it to the big baddie, which could, if they do it like they did in Avengers as that post credit scene, you don't need Liam Neeson just yet. You could just show Galactus how you're going to show him 
and that could lead us to Phase Five, which will bring us to the Fantastic Four. So, but to your credit, yeah. though, so exactly how they set up Thanos, right? Yeah, we didn't get the voice of Thanos, and it wasn't in Avengers, bro. One. Yeah, it we was didn't just get the a voice look. Thanos till yeah. later on. So yeah, why? it wasn't even Josh Brolin. In this yeah, it wasn't Josh Brolin at all. No, it wasn't. I don't think Brolin was signed on till Guardians. But that would mean casting a guy as Galactus now. Yeah. Which means that they have an idea that they want to start using him soon. Yeah, that's true. Like, like, that's why I, I took it with a grain of yeah, salt. Yeah, for sure. I just wanted to bring it up to get your guys' take I think, on it. I think the casting would be pretty cool. I like Liam. That's why yeah. I was like... So, for those that aren't unaware or not sure of who Galactus is, such as I, uh, give me like a brief summary in like 10 words or less. He's uh, a devourer of devourer. It's funny. <laughs> that's exactly... Chris, you read my mind. I'm like, he's a huge... Devourer of worlds. Yeah, he's a galactic. He's a celestial. Like he eats oh. planets. Literally, literally, he, he he travels from planet to planet, absorbing all the life essence of that planet and to survive. And when was he established? Fantastic. Like where? Oh, Fantastic Four fantastic. number. It's gotta be nineteen sixty-three. Yeah, nineteen sixty-three. I think Fantastic Four number yeah. six. Okay. So he's yeah. he's been around. He's there. Yeah. He, Doctor Doom is not there. He's kind of there. Well, Doctor Earth? Doom is like their big one, no? No, Galactus. Uh, Doctor Doom is like maybe the number one for like Reed. Yeah, but, like I think like Galactus, yeah, Galactus is, is ultimately. So like that's why I think he could oh, be no. that Thanos with what yeah. he wants to do. I think. Oh yeah, no, I agree. That yeah. I just think it'd be way too early. Like, I could see if I'm just like spitballing now. Like if whatever the group team up is in like the Fantastic Four's entrance, like, hey, we have a problem, and it's this because like yes. I'm I'm still big on like we should have the. Fantastic Four. I don't want a Fantastic Four origin story. No, like they should already be set up and like. Not again. Like, Galact- the, like the negative Galactus zone or something. Yeah, <laughs> we have to. We have something to do. But we'll see. Yeah, I mean, this is it's fun- like two years about. This yeah. is the fun part about the MCU that yeah. we can. Well, unlike DC, they use a lot of different characters from all over their library of characters. So yeah, it's a lot more fun. So would he then tie into like? All of these phase, all of phase. No, this four? is this is brand new. This is like if this you finish. Sort of like yeah, a so few movies, phase right? four is kind of like when you finish a comic book run and you're starting brand new. Yeah, yeah. Like th- that's what you I can think. go back and talk about like these movies, but they have no central, like right. Not in the same way that the yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So this new phase four and on is going to be the new sort of standalone. Yeah, yeah. New standalone. Okay. I think Galactus is a good big bad. I think Doom would be a good big bad. I think Kang the Conqueror would be a good big bad. Oh, um, that's a good one. The Annihilus and the Negative Zone. There's a lot of uh, potential for it there. I just think, like Chris said, it's just a little too early for Galactus to be like cast. Yeah. Um, in terms of Phase 4, I hear so much about Black Widow, I'm getting very excited. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think it's going to be I think it's gonna be more under the lines of like Civil, uh, not Civil War, uh, Winter Soldier. Yeah. So I'm very excited. Like for spy that. thriller kind of yep. thing? Yeah. All right. So moving on, I wanted to, because I haven't touched base on these Oscar predictions in the last few weeks. Um, I have Irishman at number one because I actually just saw Irishman a few weeks ago and it is everything I wanted it to be. Wow. Um, get, ready for a, get ready for a slow burn. It's, it's very visceral with its pacing. You get three, is it three decades? Um, you no, think? I think you get a little bit, a little bit more, like four or five decades. Yeah. So you go from, because I think he died. It's not really a spoiler. Well, yeah, he died in he like died, 2013. Like, no, no, no. Wasn't it like 2004? Hold on. Well, Jenny's looking that up. So pretty <laughs> much the movies, the CGI is, you know, everyone was and wondering how, the 60s, how so. the CGI of them de-aging looks. 
it's very distracting for the first like 10 minutes okay. because De Niro, we know how De Niro looked when he was like 30 or 40. He died yeah. in 2003. Yeah. So he doesn't look like that. <laughs> no. Uh, so that was the only distracting part. Pacino looks fucking great with the de-aging. He actually looks like Pacino in the 90s. Yeah. Like Devil's Advocate Heat Pacino. Yeah. Um, the movie feels like I've seen Silence. Ben, have you seen Silence? Uh, very, very vaguely remember it. Like I remember at least, I think that one was definitely a slow burn as well when they were getting to like a lot of like the, the, the points. Like again, it's it, that, I don't know. I, I don't want to say I fell asleep <laughs> during that movie, but was that also a slow burn? Cause I, so yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like lame. silence. This feels like the mob film version of silence, slow burn. But you're, when you, when you get into these characters, you're going to like be but enthralled. I didn't, but I didn't feel the Well, you lens. didn't see silence. So. No, I didn't see silence, but I'm saying like normally I can tell like if there's a movie where it really like slows down, like, you know, because some movies might be slower and I'm fine with like the pacing because yeah. you don't feel it. But then there are movies that you feel it. So this one is like three yeah. hours and it's whatever. three and a half hours. And okay. you don't feel it at all. Like it's just, just going to each point, which wrote, is how a movie should be. Yeah. No I, matter what the length I wrote is. in my review that anyone complaining about the length should look at it this way. How often do people spend weekends binging an eight episode series? And this sure. is going to be on the perfect Downton Abbey. You're going right to be now. you're going to be on Netflix. Nice. If you don't want to watch the movie so as in full, you can just split it into three parts, three and a half hours. You're good to go. Well, uh, th- oh, sorry. Go ahead, Brian. Go ahead. Ben. Question: We I, I know we were talking about this, but going back, any comment to what Scorsese had said about Marvel films? Oh, Ooh. go go. I think. Yeah. Uh, I, I I give Marty a pass. Everyone makes mistakes. Uh. Okay, <laughs> I'm going to say this. So it's a mistake, though. Oh, uh, he shouldn't just, have said that. Yeah, he's just being an asshole. Yeah, he was silly. He's being pretentious. He's uh, not being yeah, an he's asshole. My word. So I understand. Here, I'm going to play devil's advocate, and I hate playing devil's advocate. But I understand what he was trying to say. But yeah, he's also it just an old off, man. He just came off yeah. like jaded. Yeah. He's, he's, I mean, he's just trying to protect his brand. Yeah. And like, and like, it's just like, it's not necessary. I think Robert Downey Jr. was on Howard Stern, and he was just like, he it was. plays in movie theaters, bro. Like, yeah, it's cinema. Yeah. Yeah, I, he was very political, like very um, PC with his statement. Like he was just like, that's his opinion. So, yeah. which is true, it is mm-hmm. his opinion. But, and he's yeah. an older guy. He comes from a different class. His film school, like, he's just from a different. Because I'm sure I can see like Francis Ford Coppola saying the exact same thing. There are just people that I can see saying the exact same thing. I wouldn't even be surprised if Spielberg. Yeah, he should have talked. He just made a commercial movie last year. Like, but yeah. you know what I mean. It's not like, like Avatar. And he's pushed. about to make a commercial movie next year. Well, West Side Story. Well, West Side Story is very different from like. A comic, okay, like a Ready, Marvel. Ready film. Player One. Okay, he made okay, Ready Player Ready One. Player last one year. Right. So, and he's he's the reason the summer blockbuster exists. You know, Spielberg. So yeah, I think but, he would understand more but than it others. Matter when people get to a certain yeah. point in their career or how they think and whatever. So I mean, Marty's opinion is his opinion, but I like, still, he's still to me the greatest living director. You know, in the end, like it ain't gonna stop anyone from seeing one of his films. Not, no, and also not Martin Scorsese is not for everyone. Not everyone is like. That's into his movie. That's, that's a shame. Okay, but that's that's just no. How but she's right are. though. She's right. Yeah, it's a different. You go into his movies, you're gonna think you're gonna be whatever. Not necessarily. I would disagree with you on that. You're not just gonna watch. And I like, watch Wolf. You should be paying when attention I went into to Wolf of Wall Street. When I watch movies. Wolf of Wall Street, I didn't have to sit there and think. No, but like. Yeah. 
Some of his movies, yeah. Like Hugo, you don't have to sit there and think. I've actually never seen Hugo. It's a kid's movie. It didn't movie. really appeal to me. So, like, so. The Irishman, I don't think you have to sit there and think. You just no, have to watch. But, Silence, but you, you have, have to, to pay, sit there and think. I feel like but you have to pay more attention to yeah. it. Yeah. Maybe yes, you yes. have to be more of an is that, is that watcher, visually, I guess. Is that visually stimulating? I yeah. feel like... Yeah. Like, obviously, if I'm in the theaters and I'm watching Avengers, like, I'm actively watching because I've paid money to see this movie. But, like, if the Avengers was on TV right now and I put it on, I wouldn't have to actively... Like, I could just still be doing other things if I wanted to. But I feel like for a Scorsese film, I feel like I need to... If I really want to... involve myself in it or delve into more of like behind the meanings like in taxi driver the ending like if you miss the movie in different parts you're gonna be like totally like i wanted i wanted to comment on something i wanted to comment on something like leo in front of the show kev like we spoke we have a a group chat and we actually spoke about like my personal taste in terms of like you know i joke around oh i'm so bougie with what i like or whatever but like the infamous Blu-ray yeah, 4K yeah, yeah. conversation. So, like, but I I love art house films. Yeah, it's just I love thinking, but I also love Marvel movies. I love everything. So I I don't think Scorsese. Scors- and it's not to say that you can't think during a Marvel movie, but it's less. You need less thinking. Less of, yeah, um, yeah. A yeah. load, I guess, on you. Like I think that's what he's trying to say. But like like Ben said, he just didn't yeah. word it the right way. Yeah, I, guess I mean, you just say it's not for you. Like that's all yeah, you have to say. Yeah, it really that's is. The, that's unlike, the quote. Unlike Jennifer Aniston, who she gets <laughs> no pass from me because what know. have you done since that overrated show from the '90s, woman? Uh, horrible bosses. I think it's the last thing like I remember her for. Oh, she's in really horrible. bad romance. Oh, and those are really that's great horrible. cinema. Those are not mind think. Like you don't have to sit there. No, and but she had the nerve to say like Marvel is ruining. What is it? Marvel is ruining opportunities for women to be, to get roles. Is that what she said? Oh, I don't know. I, don't I know think what she said. I think it was like the fact that it's just like something invented that, but it's like oh, it's distorting like other movies to come out like because not all these other films like something Scorsese like um. No, not, not exactly what Scorsese said, but it was something in vain of like you know these other films can't get a chance because everyone wants to go, go see the new Marvel movies, so it's like. Okay, I would say like I could see your point, but other than nobody whole... was inviting you. Yeah, like, nobody like you <laughs> weren't invited to that party. And and like, Chris, Chris, let let's put it this way: Was she even would she ever be invited to that Marvel party? No, 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 no. Like, like probably, no, the, the Marvel party invites a lot of characters. No, man. it's funny. Jen loves Jeff uh, Goldblum was invited. Jen loves celebrity relationships. She probably is like Jen probably feels the burn that Angelina Jolie Angelina got selected is yeah. is leading the Eternals. Well, Angelina That's knows I, where she has to go. She she has six kids. She needs, <laughs> you know. <laughs> it's funny. I never, uh, when I think of Angelina Jolie, I never think of her as a mother of six kids. Do I. Yeah. Do I. Six kids. One of them is in college. Like, she, I mean, not that she needs the money. I mean, she has money. So, so but, I was going to go with that route. Like, six kids when you're rich is different than six oh, yeah. kids when. So one last point on Scorsese and like the Jennifer Aniston thing with Scorsese's comment, honestly, it just comes off like just because the movie isn't made the way he makes movies, he feels like he has to say something negative about it. But at the end of the day, there's filmmakers that do genuinely care about that material. So like I thought the really cool, refreshing part of the aftermath of it was when people were defending James Gunn and defending Joss Whedon because they did put in a lot of work, the same kind of work Scorsese puts into his and like that's the truth is like they are still films like so you, you may not like yeah. the material but these people do put in a lot of time and effort to make these films great 
agree. Exactly. Agreed. Shitting on somebody else's work. And it's just not yeah. for somebody of his stature. It's just not, not necessary. Cool. Not yeah, cool. Not cool. But, like if t- if like Bill Belichick said that uh, the uh, is you trash, have to bring it, it wouldn't it wouldn't it wouldn't be nice. It's just horrible. <laughs> I hate you so. He doesn't. He doesn't because it's class. <laughs> so moving moving on to continue to talk on the yeah. Irishman. It's a great film. Uh, it's one of my favorite of the year. Nice. It was my number one for one week until the movie that we're going to talk about a little later. Uh, but right now I do have a number one. I have a winning best picture. Uh, although if the Academy doesn't want to do the Netflix thing yet. I think Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is going to win Best Picture. I'm really? pretty. Yeah. It all goes to the. If we're not going to do Netflix, what else is out there? Give Leo an Oscar. Leo's not winning any Oscar. Sorry. Give I think that Oscar, Oscar is not a lock because of the diverse reactions from the Academy screening. Well, I, I have I have Joaquin. Leo number versus one. Joaquin. How do you Joaquin. think? Joaquin. Oh, Joaquin. 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 Okay. Joaquin. Yeah. Nice. Um, I have. I love you, Leo. Thank you, I actually have Joker. <laughs> I do have <laughs> I do have Joker in Best Picture, so I have it. I have my number four right now, so we'll see. We'll see if it ends up happening. I have Jojo Rabbit, which I can't wait to see. Two Popes, Parasite, uh, Judy, Ford Ferrari in 1917. I have Scorsese winning director as well, and uh, actor I have Joaquin. Yeah. So actress right now I have Renee Zellweger. I think that's uh, that's getting close to being over because ScarJo had a talk and she. Opened her mouth about Woody Allen and all that fun stuff. and. But it's not the first time she's talked about Woody Allen. Oh, she always defends him? Yeah, there's yeah. been other times. That's so it's not, it's not the first time. Tough. I have uh, Al Pacino winning supporting actor for The Irishman. He's, see, Jen and I are very on different islands here. I think Pacino is fucking great in The Irishman. But he's pitch, very he's Pacino, Pacino in a lot of the parts. Okay. He's Pacino. He's like, when is it? When isn't he? Yeah, ever since he's had that raspy voice, he's Well, it's been... not the raspy voice, it's just the way he like you know But Jimmy Hoffa gets louder and was, like throws and it and like you know I think he, and that's fine, but it's Pacino. Like Yeah, so I gotcha. When I'm watching the film, I get why he's doing it, but I'm just like chuckling inside because that's that's Pacino. So I, I don't I don't see it as like Him I don't know that being Jimmy Hoffa role. was really like that, and yeah. obviously this isn't. Well, no, I heard Jim, I read Jimmy Hoffa was actually no, like that. No, he might have been loud and whatever, but I all I see is Pacino. So He's, like that's why for me, it's just. So well, he could win. I'm not saying he's not gonna win. I think it's either him or I think it's either him or Brad Pitt. For so I was gonna ask you about different. that. Yeah, comparing it to Brad Pitt because yeah. Brad Pitt it's, did phenomenal I think it's in the, Hollywood. One of those two. Uh, supporting actress, I said Laura Dern's gonna win. I actually, for original screenplay, I have Marriage Story, Noah Baumbach. I have adapted screenplay, The Irishman. But I also have Todd Phillips getting in for Joker. Yeah. And I have Joker right now in seven categories. So, I mean, we'll see what happens. And the rest of the, my predictions, you can check over on realtalking.com, updated every week. So, moving on to the first film I want to talk about, not in, you know, too heavy detail. We didn't get a chance to talk about the It Chapter 2. So all of us here saw it, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. All right. Yeah. So I guess I'll kick this conversation off in saying I enjoyed most of it. There was great stuff in it. I love the Bill Hader arc. I thought that was the best part of the movie. Hmm. It didn't stick the landing too well in terms of how they kill Pennywise. Like he, that's all spoilers here. Um, how oh, he yeah. looks like a he looks like a sunny sunny side up egg. Yeah. At the end, didn't love that. Um, 
But what it was opposed to, the 1990 version, this is much better. And in the book, I've heard that they don't really have too much. There's not too much feeling towards the adult versions of the losers. So they did the best they could. It was a little too long for my for my taste. But okay. Leo, you made a great point uh, off the line. So you could go ahead. Oh, yeah. So I, I literally watched it yesterday. Uh, so um, I watched part one within like the last month. Horror is not a big thing for me. But I, honestly, just like the reception of it was pretty like I needed to see it. So the best way I can compare it to is like everyone here has watched movies that like they tried remaking 10, 15 years later at like this like cash grab nostalgia thing. So like with American Pie, American Reunion, um, with the Ghostbusters thing, now Ghostbusters 3. So like all these movies took years between these moments for you to actually miss them. Between watching part one and part two, I realized that part two was just that. They kept trying to force you to remember how much you miss these kids from part one. Like, they kept doing a bunch of flashbacks, a, c- a bunch of references to, like, part one. But I'm like, didn't part one just come out, like, three years before part two? So it just felt like a force kind of like, oh, you missed us, you missed us, you missed us. You really wanted to see these kids back together. But I'm like, no, I really, I mean, I liked part one. I thought it was an awesome movie. But it just felt like it was forcing this, like, nostalgia feeling that it didn't really need. And I think that that made the movie drag on way longer than it needed to be. But overall, I thought it was good. I thought the uh, the ending was all right. Um, I never read the book, so I don't know how it compared to the books. Turtle, man. Turtle. <laughs> Turtle and Chud. That's all you get. But I definitely felt like the force. <laughs> it just felt like it was forced. And I'm like, just to remind me about part one, remind me about part one, remind me about part one, when it could have honestly been a little bit shorter and still been just as good without all those flashbacks. Yep. Uh, Jen? I thought it was good. I mean, I think I like the chemistry Really, I like the chemistry the best with the kids. I felt like the adults, the casting was good, like as far as their older counterparts. Um, but I didn't, like, I didn't feel the same connection. And I will say that, like, I just think the kids all worked really well off of each other, um, more so than the adults. And um, I think Bill Hader was probably my favorite part of it. Like, I think he had not just his story, but like, just even that like really big scene oh i guess it's spoiler but um was just really strong and i think it was very different from we're typically we always usually see bill Hader as trying to be like funny or like that's really where he's i don't i wouldn't say that's where he's strongest but that's where he's been marketed and that's what he's been doing um and then he gets into like serious and you're like oh because i know barry he's serious but i haven't seen barry barry is great um so I like the fact that like the juxtaposition and like I thought they they did really well trying to be like the kids and like go off of that. Um, overall, I mean, I was fine. I thought Pennywise was great, was good. Yeah. I didn't I didn't realize that like the beginning of the movie had that scene in the book. It's the first. Um, it's actually it the like, opening of the book. It was very upsetting to me in the with beginning the with the oh, two gay guys. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Like, I saw Jen, we were watching it, and I saw Jen getting very upset, and then I I went over, and I'm like, it's Um, in the book. Yeah, Uh. and I was like, oh, because I didn't remember that, and so uh, that was upsetting, but whatever. All right, what about you guys, Ben? Okay, so I actually listened to the other time I was on your podcast with uh, 
my other podcaster, John, and we did talk about the fact, like, how was this is going to work without the kids, with the adults? And you actually mentioned, oh, that might be why they're coming back to make sure people are comfortable with the kids being there mm -hmm. so that they can kind of, you know, have the adults, you know, be OK and all this other stuff go on with the movie. The thing was, you I felt that with the moments you have with those flashbacks with the kids, it was you just felt it you felt it drag on it's like okay we get it we they got to get these yeah. things they got to do all this stuff but it's like for me get okay we understand can we get to the point we, we <laughs> so I, it's funny it's, it's funny you mentioned this stuff with the kids yeah. i want uh i joked with lee off the line this was like in a year we got endgame this is the horror version of endgame you have pete you have a group of people get back together you have them go their separate ways you kind of have to go time travel in the mind because you go back to when they were kids and you have to find six little stones and then or six little artifacts and then you use those artifacts to kill the big baddie so it felt like i was watching endgame all over again <laughs> but just not as good yeah so to me it was like okay i remember certain things from the miniseries because i didn't read the book so i was like okay i get this i get that okay there's this and there's that um again as as everybody's been saying hater is phenomenal as as what he does since he's you know more situated in comedy so for him to do this serious stuff it's like wow it actually shows that he has strengths in this and his arc was in fact interesting from i remember seeing from stephen king with that character you know there was never really any hint of what they were doing with hater's character but he's like i don't mind it actually you know it's pretty good so the scares, I wouldn't say the first one was really scary. It was just, it managed to build certain tension and be creepy. Whereas this one, it just really, it just didn't work a lot of the time with what yep. the director was trying to do. And <laughs> I just laugh at what you mentioned with the thing that happened at the end of him turning into that thing. And then it's like, well, uh, again, I don't know. You kind of go back to the miniseries of how they had that final conflict with Pennywise. Yeah, that's true. So it's like, I don't know. Would I have wanted that to happen, or like <laughs> what they tried to? I'm doing the air quotes here. Improve with this final conflict. So it's it's kind of like uh, I, I I don't know. It's kind of trying to weigh out the options. But to me, when it came to this film, it's like mm, I, I, I it was a nice conclusion to things. You know, yeah. I liked a lot of the stuff. I would. I'm trying to remember what this quote was. I would say that the the parts in the movie, like certain parts in the movie, pretty much over overdid the whole like the story itself really was not as effective but a lot of the elements here i felt were much better and i think chris uh uh thanks ben chris you liked that i think more than all of us i remember you told him telling us that you really enjoyed it yeah I, I i liked it i mean like i i mean i the first part is better but i think this second part is better than the second part in the original yes, yes. okay yeah so but like it was, it's just too long. I, I mean, I, I think that it, this like Jenny was talking about like parts where you know it dragged, and it was just like, yep, I was I was in that vortex for <laughs> a good part of like the the third act, I think, like the start of the third act, I want to say, like it was just like, yeah, I'm I'm ready. They just need to go to, into the sewers now. <laughs> uh, Gray water. Yeah, like but like I think. Like I said, Bill Hader did like amazing. I think like he showed his range for sure. And then the kids just like we said, like everyone already said, they the kids had better chemistry. Yeah, I I I think that that's like Ben mentioned before. I said it. I didn't even remember saying that a few years ago, but 
the kid. I, I said I went back to listen to it because, you know, I was like, OK, uh, just because I know we talked about the first time any yeah. points that we brought just because I was just like, I, I, I wonder if we mentioned something about the sequel when we mentioned that, because that that I was like, I think we did mention something because it was announced all this other stuff. But yeah, I, this now. kid's doing homework. Yeah, that's what's up. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, I mean, I agree with everyone's points. I mean, I think it's a much better sequel and conclusion that the part two of the miniseries was. So I guess that's all we can ask for. Yeah. And I mean, but I'm with, I'm with Jenny. That opening scene was tough. Yeah. No, it was tough. It's, it was just really upsetting it was, because I know it was, that it, it, ha- like it does happen like, and it happens it was, more yep. it than it you think brutal. and more than is actually on the news. But like it was, it was just, yeah. it was just upsetting. But I think, I think it also, um, I think the reason why he also put it in the book, but obviously it's very different when you read it and then when you actually see it happen. And I think it like sets you up to be upset for the rest of the movie. Like it's yeah. supposed to set you up so that like you're feeling like scared of Pennywise and how Pennywise is going off of the fears and like doing all of these things. And I did like this. I did really like the scene, even though it, you know, I don't want to sound morbid, but I did like the scene with the little girl. Oh yeah. 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 Under yeah. The bleachers, the bleachers, she yeah. was ready to leave. But he took advantage of her kindness, of her yeah. kindness, and like telling her and that she looks a little different, and saying I look a little different. I thought that was really, it was yeah. traumatizing, but it was very yeah. impactful. I thought that was a really great scene. But uh, I think going back to that first scene real quick, yeah, uh, I think he's got big old balls for putting it in the movie because yeah. I think to Jenny's point, it is important because it does happen. Well, there's a there's an article out there that yeah. Stephen King said that is one of the scenes that he. Demanded be in the movie. Oh shoot! Yeah, because yeah. that's how it's the, important. It's very important, especially with where they go in the end. Even though that wasn't in the book, uh, where they go in the end, I think it's a good bookend to that. But even shoot. like Georgie shoot. was kidnapped, like he was taken, and like I mean, that's what happens. That's what happens yep. to kids a lot, and you know, yeah. Go ahead. Uh, just just to add to like the whole thing with the opening scene, because in regards to what he said, like he demanded that that was actually something he heard when he was writing it, that that was an actual hate crime that he heard in Maine. And he wanted oh, to kind wow. of homage. Yeah. Like I believe it was a guy and um, he, well, you know, he was, you know, being whatever. And a bunch of kids literally threw him into wow. a river. And the fact that he was asthmatic is when he drowned and King was apparently so heart, like heartbroken by that. That's why he put that scene in it. Wow, that's terrible. Yeah. So, um, so moving on to another controversial film. Huh. Good segue. <laughs> uh, so I'm going to I'm going to kick off by talking about the before we even get into the movie. I want to talk about the box office because the box office just broke and the movie Joker is number one again in the box office. No surprise there. But I thought we were talking about Rambo. I know you most, love Rambo. The most controversial movie have, of our I, time. I still do have to see Rambo, though. I, and, I, you know, it, it's a Rambo movie, right, Chris? I know you saw it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> very much a Rambo movie. <laughs> Chris is like, I didn't hate it. Chris is I unsure liked... whether he saw it or not. He's like, I think I saw <laughs> it. No, no. I liked it. I liked it. But uh, yeah. <laughs> there's also, like, going back to it, like, there are some, like, super, super dark tones in that movie as well. Gotcha. Oh, shoot. Yeah. Um, but Joker took in... This is estimate. We'll get the final total tomorrow. $55 million second week. The impact of that $55 million means that it dropped less than 50% at the box office. I think it, well, I'm going to have to do the final numbers a little later, but um, I think it dropped less than 
less than 40%, which is huge. Now one for an R-rated movie, for any movie in its second week to drop off. Like, for example, Avengers, I mean, you're going up from 300 million to what you dropped. It dropped over 65%. So I'm going to ask you a question, though. What's with, up? The, with the Avengers versus this. Yeah. This was also impacted by the fact that many people didn't want to go see it or were afraid of seeing it based mm -hmm. on all the all the other ramifications. So the drop not so being as I significant. So I would say that I would agree with you if it didn't make ninety six million dollars last week. Okay, I think. But it still didn't go maxed out on your first week because of the fact that some audience scores still kind of stayed back out of just hesitation because of like the. I mean, I. Uh, it's tough because where the projections for this movie was. Like it was originally projected to only make sixty million opening weekend, and it made ninety six. It made ninety six. So it's so uh, awesome to hear, though. It's right now. It's three hundred. It made three hundred fifty one million dollars overseas in its run. Right now, it's five hundred and forty four million dollars worldwide. That's for crazy. a movie that costs fifty five. <laughs> and I have seen a lot of people on social media, and I will not name them on here, have a disdain for this movie. Yeah, and projecting it to be uh low in the box office it's gonna have a massive drop so on and so forth and um yeah i guess jokes on you right wow <laughs> but I'm but you're I'm better bum. than that but i'm bum. is that a dad <laughs> joke would you would you that's a dad joke cool um but i guess we could get into the before we get into the actual conversation of the movie we have someone that was actually in the movie ben you want to talk about your experience when okay. you okay well, okay go ahead so all right so just to be quick with it because uh before uh because it was on like the local nj news it was in the papers that last year really enough around this time the oh if you want to be an extra because they were shoot they shot in jersey city by the courthouse which mm -hmm. they used for like that that event in the movie which we will get into yep. and then they shot in i forget what street it was in newark but they shot i think two nights in newark I was only able to do one of the nights where I was basically one of the rioters. Now, I was really trying to say, like, okay, I remember being as close as I can because they had a camera there and it was the, um, you know, I, I wouldn't really get too much into it. But I, I would say, okay, it's there and this this is happening. And I really was, I wasn't wearing a mask. All I had was a bandana, a, a long gray trench coat, and my hair's long. So they said, oh, just keep your hair down. It's 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 fine. So I'm tr I was trying to pinpoint where I was. But in shooting that scene... We shot from six from from essentially from dusk till dawn. Uh, it was very cold. Uh, it was very long because you know it was only I would say like several shots they needed of that specific part. So it's like okay, you're gonna do this. Okay, we're gonna need this, and you're gonna do that. So being an extra, albeit fun, it's very tedious, as you could probably say when it comes to filming for actors. You know, you're just waiting around for them to set up the shot, and all they really need is like maybe several seconds of a certain scene, but Joaquin was there. Uh, actually, Todd Phillips was there, but uh, I didn't have my phone with me because they they practically duct taped all the phones that people had to avoid, you know, leaks. Yeah. But in a in, oh, and they also did a stunt in the movie, which I was like, oh, that's cool. So I honestly kept telling people for the longest time, oh, I know how the movie ends. I know how the movie ends. <laughs> and technically, yes, and technically, no, they were right. I was right, but. On the whole, it was uh, it was honestly cool. I mean, I'm you know, I'm by myself. I'm trying to see if I can do more extra work uh, in general, just to kind of get out there and not to try to totally plug myself in. But uh, a few years back, me and friends did try to do a Batman web series where I did do a little Joker, but that's I digress. <laughs> Could you send me the link to that and I'll uh, put it in our show description for anyone that wants to check it out? Yeah, it's a, it's a, I'll send it to you. I'm just it was I think 
Yeah. I think we shot that back in 2015, and I think after that, it was just whatever. But I like to say, you know, I know what it's like to be but not what Joaquin did, but more <laughs> like Hamill and Heath Ledger type of like fun, crazy Joker. Gotcha. So, uh, yeah. Wait, I have a few questions just on like the whole being an extra experience. So <laughs> did they, did they dress over. you or did you actually like did you bring your own clothing? Like did they give you kind of guidelines or did they yes. actually provide the wardrobe? There was two. Well, they had the email saying, oh, if you have 80 stuff, bring them. And okay, uh, okay. thankfully... Yeah, thankfully, my parents have, like, a bunch of random stuff <laughs> from back in the day that fit. So I wound up uh, bringing, like, old Converse's boots, that that trench coat, and I think I had, like, a weird freaking black and purple type of 80s shirt. But said, okay, wear this, wear that. But they were also dressing people as well. I think they had, like, a good amount of, like, you know, specific 80s stuff they wanted. But for the most part, it was just... People brought their own stuff, and I guess it was for people who didn't really have 80 stuff in in that regards. And I guess they figured, okay, um, when it came to, like, the mask and whatnot, it's like, okay, uh, you take a mask, you don't need a mask. And they actually did some makeup on some people because I think there were some people they wanted to have, like, scars and, like, bloodied up faces. So that was that, and they fed us, too. They fed us both lunch and dinner. And how <laughs> oh, was that? Was it good? Uh, these, what did, what no, did you have? What was the okay. catering? It was decent like? catering. It was actually a local, okay. I think a local catering business out in like, I think southern New Jersey, That's if I'm not cool. mistaken. I try to remember the name. But they had like hot dogs and burgers. And then at, for dinner, they had like chicken and rice and all this other stuff. So it's actually pretty much well fed. And they made a point, which I found hilarious, that the, the production assistant was like, you know, we could technically do this with CGI. But the director wasn't for real. So I'm saying this nicely. Do not fuck this up. <laughs> we well, don't need you, technically. Honesty technically. is always the best. Well, I'm asking because, you know, maybe we have listeners that are looking into extra work. And so you never know. So when you uh, when you applied, at, you had to apply at a link, right? Was it a very seamless process? Did you have to put in, like, a video interview? Did you need to just provide a headshot? What was okay. that like? Okay, because um, I'm remembering specifically because uh, if anyone wants to try to do extra work, uh, the website that you know I routinely look at is called I think castingnetworks.com. Let me just pull it up. But uh, as for Joker, when it was, they had I think a specific email and they only requested a headshot if you're union and um, I guess I think it was one or two photos of your face and it was for what days you were available. And I missed the first one, which they did Jersey City, but they said, okay, uh, we can have you come in for the two of the Newark shoots. And I think it was you just had to confirm, you know, you were available, and I think it was something else. I, I'd have to go back to my old emails just to kind of see, but that was for Joker. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, they did a similar process for the Sopranos prequel that they yeah, just they finished did. filming. Yeah. So there was that, but for the most part... It was just kind of just submitting it and just kind of waiting to hear back. And, uh, you know, I, I was just like, okay, uh, I just got to find a uh, – I just got to make sure I have time off work and um, just to get to Newark and well, all this other stuff. But for the most part, if you look at your local newspapers and whatnot for stuff like this, you know, for the most part, they'll usually just ask for photos and if you're union and all this other stuff. And, yes, the the website that, uh, you know, I occasionally look at is called castingnetworks.com. Nice. It is a pay subscription service. Um, same thing with Backstage if you want to kind of get certain things to submit for. But, you know, it's it's generally for if you're in L.A., if you're in New York. And same thing, you 
create a profile, you you know put whatever attributes you have, you have representation, and anything you look for, you just submit yourself. And I got something once, but I missed it for a personal reason. But that's the same thing. You just wait to hear back from them and just you know go with the flow. Like for the most part, they'll say, okay, we need you for ten hours and uh, come with this and whatnot. So if you're doing extra work, we'll make a little extra money because I made. Roughly 150 when I did Joker, and that was also because we were working past, I think, the eight-hour mark they were looking for. So we got overtime pay. Nice. But I would say usually for non-union people, you get paid, I think, between 15, 17, depends on the movie. If you're a union person, extra-wise or whatever, you get paid more and all that stuff. So all who want to venture forth, go for it. Nice. It is what it is. Yeah. Thanks for sharing. Um, awesome. Thank yeah. you. You, jo- you joked about, like, I know how it ends. Did you know? Were you told this is the end of the movie? Because you know how they shoot yeah. they shoot films out of sequence all the time. So, Yeah, they did say this is how the movie ends specifically. So I guess, you know, they figured, okay, the big, big, the big thing that happens at the end, whereas the actual end, I think, was just something, I don't know, maybe it was an afterthought or that's how they were going to end. But they figured as a climax, this is how it ends. Which I loved and we'll get into that in a, in a few. Yeah. So I wanted to keep going on the box office real quick. I wanted to go through every record it broke last year. I mean, last, last week. week. So it became the biggest IMAX October opening, uh, taking in $9 million in ticket sales just on IMAX. The biggest worldwide launch of all time for October. Nice. Uh, it skipped past Venom's $207 million global debut. And anytime Venom gets knocked off any pedestal is a good thing. <laughs> um, it's a career best start for Todd Phillips. It's also a career best start for Joaquin Phoenix. I actually think this will top it's already topped it's his highest grossing film of all time that he's ever been in um career this is the shocking one this is a career best star for robert de niro like box office wise really yep so de niro's previous biggest live action debut was actually meet the fockers in 2004 46.1 million dollars Take that, Marty. No. Uh, <laughs> but nice, well, well, Marty nice. was involved. High in, five, Jen. Wait, Marty was involved in this film. Beginning wise. Beginning I think he, wise. Yeah, I he, know, dro- I he dropped off to keep working on The Irishman. Uh, and I, I, just to say, I also heard a rumor or something that was released like, oh, he wanted to, he considered or thought really about wanting to direct Joker. And then I think he went to do Irishman, which it's like, I don't uh, know if that was true time, or. Time wise, it doesn't, that doesn't uh, match up because I think. Uh, Irishman he started working on in 2015 yeah so um, this is also the fourth highest grossing opening weekend R-rated film of all time so number one is Deadpool number two is Deadpool 2 and then number three is It and then four is Joker damn so this, that's pretty awesome it's also Warner Brothers biggest domestic opening in two years because It made a lot of money but it made worldwide at all. So in September 17, um, it debuted at $123 million. And since it and Joker, the highest opening weekend was actually Justice League. What? <laughs> Which Joker made more than. <laughs> Thank God. So, And it's the widest October release of all time in, America, in North America. So, And now it's the highest grossing film opening weekend of all time in October. And I think it may be, it can come close. Right now, it's almost at a billion. It's halfway towards a billion. It may become the highest grossing R-rated superhero movie of all time. Taking out Deadpool? Yeah. Nice. So so now we can get into talking about the movie. 
first non-spoiler thoughts uh i'll start off with saying that i think it's fucking brilliant <laughs> i i think on the podcast you can kind of see my my progression as to first announcing it yeah then joaquin being announced and being intrigued by it but always being held back by todd phillips because he doesn't he's never really done a movie like this before and then as the trailers go on, I just became more enthralled by it. And then watching the movie, I've seen it two and a half times now. Would you mind explaining why, why? the uh, why, why the half? So <laughs> there's been a lot of, and I don't think Chris, because we speak almost every day. I don't even think you know this story. So um, we saw it on IMAX opening night, and we were blown blown away. Yeah, that was our uh, nightcap to the first day first of New York Comic Con. Yeah, and blown everyone away. everyone that is aware and our listeners may know that pol- there was a large police presence during opening weekend just for any suspect things going on and a few things did occur so on monday this past monday i went to i was off from work so i figured let me go watch it again so in the screening i was uh i was at there weren't that many people i would say maybe like 25 30 you were people. in Times square yes also. i was in Times square i wasn't gonna name the theater well, <laughs> but okay. i think it's fine to name the but theater. yeah so it's not the theater's fault yeah so i was in the theater and it was it was 25 to 30 people there and i joke with leo i'm like if you're in a small theater and there's seats not in the first two rows and you're by yourself you don't sit in the first two rows it's just it, it's it, weird yeah it's weird it's weird so i'm sitting there and I'm, i think i'm in row five or six whatever minding my own business i see this guy walk in he walks in very aggressively that's the first thing i notice and he sits in the middle and he starts taking out food. I'm like, okay, cool. Uh, this theater does sometimes have people that buy one ticket for the day and they just like hang there the whole day. So whatever. Well, you're not supposed to. You're not supposed to. So whatever. Yeah, that's, <laughs> we've all that's done stealing. it. So that's the movie. You're not. The, the movie starts and probably like 10, 15 minutes in, uh, he opens up a a, a can. So I'm like, oh, maybe he's drinking ginger ale. No, he's not. So he has this giant beer can, and he starts chugging and chugging and chugging. I didn't care. I was like, whatever. Then we get to the scene on the train, and he opens up another can, and he puts his hand on his, like, forehead, yeah. and he starts fake shooting at the screen. Like, because the hand was a gun, pretty much. Yeah. yeah. But he was trying to do it in a very nonchalant way, and I was like... I'm out of here. <laughs> so, but also note that you had someone else in the theater with you, yes. and they left. To someone go walked out the guy. too, and they were like, "They that yeah. I left, so I don't know what ended up happening on that." But it goes to show, like, you know, despite what the media did, because I never worry. I always keep an eye open, but I never worry about shit like this. Whatever, like Jen says, whatever happens, happens. Well, I think just the fact that we're like in New York, in the New York City area, and like I feel like us were old enough that like we lived through 9/11. Like anyone that is in college now was born after 9-11 just throwing that out there which is just makes me feel old but (laughs) like we lived through it and i feel like especially working in the city you should always be vigilant but in the end like you can't you can't control what happens regardless see whether we're actually wherever you live honestly and so you just have to be vigilant you have to be observant you should know where you need to exit you should know in case something and just be aware I mean, in this time when everyone's on their phones and, like, distracted and whatnot, there are going to be less people that are like that. But 
right? Like you shouldn't have to fear. You can't live in fear. You have to keep going. So, but yeah, that's why I say two and a half times. But overall, I thought like I I jokingly said uh, to to Leo and our buddy Kevin, I'm like two years ago, I was like overly obsessed with La La Land. And it's like yeah, I, I still love it. No, I actually because he's, he's no longer obsessed. With no, 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 I still am. No, but I, <laughs> but I joke to say like I think Joker is as close to perfect to me as it comes. He basically wants to put a picture of Joaquin like wall to wall in yeah, our house sure. right now. That's basically um, Joaquin as Joker, not just Joaquin as Joaquin. No, ju- no, no, Joaquin as no, Joker. Oh, oh, just Joaquin. Just Joaquin. Just Joaquin. Oh, got it. Got um, it. No, I thought he was incredible, and we'll get into where we rank him or whatever later on. But um. I thought for the movie that were, they were trying to make, they made it. Like, Todd Phillips made the movie he was trying to make. And I think I always look at the important comic book movies, and we have every couple of years we have something special that comes up. 89 was Batman 89. 2008 had two things, the start of the MCU and The Dark Knight. Mm-hmm. I think this film, once the craze for its not-so-much-violence that the movie does actually have goes away... I think this movie will age very well. Seeing Taxi Driver, I purposely watched Taxi Driver before going to see this movie. Taxi Driver, if it came out today, and I know we live in a different world, blah, blah, blah. But like Taxi Driver, if it came out today, would be destroyed. Absolutely destroyed. Especially with the, how the film ends. With technic, like Travis Bickles looked at as an anti-hero and all that stuff. And the Joker ends in a little different way, but like I think... People are picking the Joker because it's the flavor of the month. Like, where? Why are you not talking about John Wick? This over-the-top violence and oh, it's not grounded in real life and all. It's not grounded in real life. But you know, I think people just want to pick on this. But I think this movie will age extremely well, and then the in the long run will be one of the. To me, it's one of the best comic book films of all time, and it's probably my favorite film of the decade, actually. But do you consider it a comic book film? Yes, because they did take yes and no. I think it's an art house film. I think uh, it's more, who said uh? That's me. It Chris. is. I, no, I you said like it took things from the comics, and I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna we're, we're uh, get into that. Yeah, that's in the sport. It takes a few things from the comics. Yeah. So as a big and I, Chris is a big reader, and Leo and Ben. Like I, what I noticed that are taken from the comic book, I think are effectively used. And I will say, Chris, that thing that you hate, I think was effectively used. And I'll get to, I'll get to why. I'll get to why. Jenny, if anyone buys you pearls, don't wear them. <laughs> no, no, no. You, you, you can wear pearls. Just don't, don't go them. in a dark alley wearing pearls. Not worth it. So, yeah. not worth it. so, um, but overall, like, I think it's, it's a little bit of both. I think as far away as he wanted to go away from it, just being a straight up comic book film, it's not. But there are stuff like the scene at the end in the that we'll talk about later, the actual talk show scene, his actual origin that's kind of manipulated from the killing joke. You know, we'll get into more details yeah. on that. But that's my overall like non spoiler thoughts. Leo? Uh, honestly, I thought it was super strong. But really good movie. No, the, the two different. So it's funny because I, like, I think when, when David and I went to the movies, like I remember like leaving the theater and I remember thinking to myself, David's gonna ask me which one I liked more, Joker or Endgame. And I did it. I actually didn't ask. Right, you. but it's funny because I'm like, because I, I'm like, so, but that's you can't even ask that question because they're so different from each other. Or like, you leave with one like quiet and just like pensive about what you just saw, like the destruction of a man, and the other one you're leaving happy, like, oh yeah, this whole franchise defeated this super but purple are person. Are you leaving happy? 
at the end of Endgame, Tony Stark just died, man. Yeah. I cr- I cr- I left crying. But they were just very different films. No, I got um, you. I'm just but Joker's, I mean, Joker just is. It's a film. It's it just overall was fantastic. I think Joaquin Phoenix's performance was incredible. Like the things he did. I remember because I, I remember when David was talking about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, how he was completely enamored with the uh, Margot Robbie scene where she's in the movie theater watching yes. herself. Yes. And has like no lines, but her facial expressions are mm-hmm. the, the parts of Joker when you just see Joaquin Phoenix, just just his mm-hmm. face like they were freaking nuts. Um, yeah. Overall, I thought the movie was exactly what it needed to be. I do believe it's a comic book movie simply okay. because it's based on a comic book character. Um, that's that's all you need for it to be a comic book movie. I think it's to, to try to pigeonhole comic book movies. I think it's more than that, though. Well, it's like it's The Dark Knight. The Dark Knight is more of a heist film. But no, but that's the thing, though. It's like it's you've got to keep in drama. mind comic books are different. Comic books aren't archy, right? They're oh. different. They're all different. Whoa. You they're, just got shit. No, but they're all let's different. Away, let's take oh, it. Chris, on. Ben, let's take, a, let's take a step back. <laughs> Shit's about to I'm get real. Sense. They're, they're very different types of comic books what for very different audiences. Archie? Well, Archie stinks. <laughs> <laughs> no, what's wrong you, with Archie? You can't no, think it's that a comic very different world. Yes. and it would it's more. Um, I wouldn't say like sugar coated, but they're real. I mean, they're real. I actually think <laughs> that Archie has done a better job. <laughs> what? I can't believe we're getting to the point that you're defending the Archie. <laughs> yeah, because. I read, I grew up with those comics and I yeah. read them and those were the comics that I read, obviously, because, because if you think about but it, that's the point. All I, of that's exactly comics, what I'm trying to say. You didn't have, I couldn't relate to Batman. I know. Yes. Batman was a guy. All of these comics were not geared toward girls yes. anyway. Who's, who's and you might've had like a Wonder Woman here or yes. there, but they were always more subversive to a guy in the main storyline going back Why from are you looking beginning. at me? You shouldn't be looking no, at him. She's true. she's right, but there that's the no point. One, no one was marketing comic books to girls the way they do it now more so. I think there's been a lot now that girls can go into yep. like a Midtown Comics and pick up a comic book that isn't Archie or that isn't something like that. But like Sam... But nowadays... But, yeah, but, 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 but it's like when people ask comic book movie, I feel like everyone for some reason jumps to like Sam Raimi's Spider-Man as a comic book movie but Joker isn't a comic book movie. Like, no, they're both comic book yeah. movies. There's different types of comic books for different types of people. So just because it's based on Joker, so it is a comic here's book where, movie. Here's where I say that, you know, where I said it could be both. Because if you take the Joker name brand out and just call the movie Arthur, it'll still work. It would. It's a good film. Yeah, it's just a great yeah, film. But the fact that you wanted to make it about a yeah, yeah, yeah. Joker makes it's it making money because movie. of who, who it's about. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Jen? Also, Riverdale. Oh, my <laughs> God. now. Okay? Chris, you, Chris you're a Riverdale fan? Anyway. I, lo- I love Riverdale. I'm anyway, out. no. They've done a really good job, I think, of, of modernizing Archie comics um, and bringing it in, especially with, like, all right, we certain things. So, what do you think about <laughs> Joker? But whatever, whatever. All haters here. Well, haters is a lot. So, Jen, I get really angry on this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, Jen, what crazy. do you think about Joker? Anyway, and Archie. It ain't no Archie. <laughs> I think we know that now. So, Leo. <laughs> I was agreeing anyway, with you. Um, no, Joker. I thought it was great. I thought it was thought it was fantastic. I actually think it's more. I don't know. I. I felt like for the first time I could relate to the Joker. Like I felt like as a person and sympathizing, empathizing, whatever, you know, like I could relate to him. I understood why he did what he did. You know, yes, 
he has mental illness and there are things but like and obviously like um when you're dealing with something like that especially and then the world is just the world around you feels like it's collapsing and everything that you know and you know even just the way um his reveal when we get into the spoilers just kind of breaks his psyche and you know like there was and everything i found leading up until really the end he had a reason for doing what he did and i can't like i'm not gonna go you know off killing people but i understand why he did it i understand when he's being bullied or when he's being pushed you know you don't know when you're in that situation and you're being treated like shit and like you know everything and it's a constant or people are making fun of you or people or whatever and then this is why a lot of the time like people break and they do what they do and it's horrible but that's also the reason why you need more support services and you need more you know i don't think people realize because there is still such a stigma and i know we're working towards um getting away from that and you know there was world mental health day the other last week and you know, bringing to light. But I think I think at some point in time, everyone deals, maybe not with a severe men- mental illness, but you deal with anxiety, you deal sadness, with stress, sadness, depression. depression. Yeah. Like, I think it affects people more, and I think it's, it's hard, especially for people to talk, but if they don't have an environment that's su- super supportive or um, they don't have the needs because of budget cuts, because of health insurance, because of all of these things... So I just felt like this whole movie was very realistic and it's was very, very much a mirror to, I think, um, yeah, it was set in like the 80s, but it's still a mirror to what's so happening I wanted now. To, I wanted to comment on and something. People being, hold on, and people being less civil nowadays, yeah. and especially online, um, and just in, in general, like there are families that are less civil to each other because of politics and because of things going on. And, you know, you have this like whole like, is there really a middle class anymore? Rich and poor, you know, like all it just all these things. So anyway, the I just thought it was really a good mirror to current society. Maybe not. It was painted a little bleaker and a little more dire. Yeah. But I feel like it's sort of. Um, can be very predictive of like what could happen in the future, especially with like climate change, just everything. Um, and I just thought it was really good. It was the first time I could relate to the Joker. You know, I couldn't relate to Nicholson's Joker. Love him, and he was my first Joker, but I couldn't relate to him in that way. And I felt like definitely not Leto. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> you know, like even Ledger. And this is where I'll probably get divorced and he's going to whip out the papers now. I already did. I actually think that I like Joaquin's Joker a little bit better There's than Ledger's. But there, it's wait, different. hold on. We'll, we'll, get, we'll decided, get to that. We'll we've get decided to, we'll you get have to, to hold. We'll get to that. We've we'll decided to why it's different. Yeah. And I've explained this to David. But like, I couldn't relate to Ledger. And we'll get to the rankings. We'll way. get to the rankings a little later. I could relate more to Joaquin's. Yep. So we'll get. We'll so get. anyway, film was great. Fantastic. Um, I think everyone should watch it. And yeah. you have no idea how relieved I am that Jenny's not going to resort to killing every time she feels bullied. <laughs> After that Archie comment, yeah. I was very much I don't know, feeling man. hesitant and afraid of for myself. Leo, right she started cheering on the same time. <laughs> the second time we saw it in 70 millimeter on, on Friday and she started cheering with those uh, spoiler with those Wall Street pricks. <laughs> she's literally started clapping. I was totally fine with that, though. Because that is just like, (laughs) I was totally fine. Because you know what? Like, if he hadn't started laughing, this is definitely a spoiler. They would have definitely tried to rape that girl in the subway. And they were just being pricks. They were being drunk. They were being, they were, you know, they were being idled. 
No, no, no. But they were being, <laughs> they were, they were being Boston people. They, they were being Boston fans. That's what they were being. They were being. They were Patriots fans. Entitled to like they could have everything. Anyway, so I did. I was totally fine with that. So I did want to now that I guess before before born Ben and Crisco, I did want to talk about like the um more of what the meaning of the movie there's so much it's so deep i think it also talks about like the fact that it deals with mental illness that jen mentioned the social class divide uh healthcare. so the reason i want to bring up healthcare real quick is it's so realistic and such an important film today because i worked in healthcare for about three years and i helped i helped the community with uh attaining health insurance and i don't know how many times situations like arthur's situation where people need medication and it was just taken away from them and I think it's a it's very poignant how like the moment he loses his medication is the moment he really goes off the rails. And I think it progresses more the fact that he's not on his medication and then he's like, Oh, I feel so much better now without it. When in reality the medication was how was helping him keep him as sane as possible. As sane, yeah. But yeah, we'll get more into more spoilery detail later. So Chris, what do you think? Uh, I, I liked it. Everything that you guys said, like the the realism in today's world, is it's great. I mean, like it's a complete mirror image where, like, it really, particularly for some people, you don't know. All it takes is like we talk we talk about like the killing joke. All it takes is one bad day. One yep. bad day. It just takes one bad day. I mean, granted, in the film he has a string Shit. of bad days, <laughs> but but like it really doesn't take that mu- much uh, to break somebody. Well, you don't know you don't know what the final straw is. Yep. And like it's I mean like all this uh, societal ties to like what's going on now within politics, healthcare, all those things that we mentioned. Like it's it's it was a refreshing look. It kind of goes back to what, what we were talking about with it in that opening scene where it's just like, yeah, fuck, like this is this is the shit that's really going on. Yeah. Like and it's and it's scary to think about. Like obviously that situation with you in the theater like you kind of it kind of will serve as opening eyes like yeah it's cinema as Scorsese will say but like it's it's very real like yeah. it's, these things can be alarmingly real and Chris yes. you you mentioned the politic thing I noticed something the second time I watched it how it's no surprise that Jen and I and I don't know, I'm not going to speak for Leo Chris and Ben on here we do not we are not a fan of our current president and I think that I mean there's but we do believe in everyone's right to their opinion. Yes. So, so if you are a Republican and a listener, we still love you anyway. Yeah. So, but I did want to talk. <laughs> I did want to mention like something in the movie that I don't know if you guys peeped when you guys saw like how Thomas Wayne views the very lower, similar view views the lower class as clowns, and yeah. how often does Trump yeah. in his speeches pretty much bring down everyone but the upper class that's where i was talking about like the social class divide is very evident in the movie yeah. so that's why i want to talk about that before. yeah 100 and like i mean like uh, i'm not gonna i'm not big into politics like that either but you can look at it from like having an open mind you see it from the opposite stance because like i think they do a good job of just like yeah that's how uh, upper class would see a lower class yep. and like, like yeah i'm not upper class at all but like you're just like, okay, this is what they see. This is their viewpoint. I think they do a good job of showing both sides. But obviously, like, Arthur is, like, shines in that where he's just, like, not necessarily leading a revolution. Because, like, if you look at, like, what Trump did, he essentially rallied 
poor people in like the, the middle of the country. Yeah. So it's like, it's just like, whoa, like it's, it's, it's very double sided on the blade, yep. which I think is like very cool to see on unfortunate for, you know, us, but yeah, I mean, and the fact we could have these conversations just based on a movie about a villain shows yeah. the depth of the movie, but yeah. Ben, what, but what do you think? Well, um, obviously with me going into this, I was like, okay, we're not expecting something super flashy or, you know, grand esque as a Batman film. It was always stated to be a character study. Essentially, what is going to happen with this man that he inevitably goes down the path to be what we would know as the Joker. Now, it's been said pretty much by everyone, Joaquin Phoenix phenomenal as this character and every small thing that he did like from his facial expressions to like the way he moves it just definitely showed someone who you know seemed like he was unhinged just by like so many things going on that to me i was like yeah i mean we don't know what it is that could be set off the discussions with the mental illness thing the the class divide like everything this film did pretty much it succeeded like, anyone else that could have done something like this, or I guess they could have probably went other ways, where it would have probably been so on the nose, or just would have been, like, I would say off in the sense of what they wanted to say. So, kudos to Todd Phillips for honestly sticking to, you know, wanting to just be as raw and blunt with things as he did. And, yeah, for me, the thing that I really just took away from this was just the the progression of what was happening with Arthur in the movie. You know, as you stated Dave, with, you know, you saw how, you know, medication gets taken away and services get taken away. And then you see how things, you know, could go bad. And with everything that's going on, it's really just says more about like, you know, we really need to not necessarily just keep a vigilant eye, but try to be more out there and try to be more helpful if we can, because, you know, anything could happen. But in regards to this being a comic book film, and if it's more, you know, comic books are just another medium out there. You know, Walking Dead, that's a comic book series that was made into a television series. Um, Watchmen, even though that's pretty much been defined as a graphic novel, I really don't want to get into how are both, like, same or different. But, you know, we, you know, with this film, it is a definitive comic book film because it took elements as well as a character that is pretty much been since the dawn of time of comics and it just managed to do something new to it. And that's what we've seen with all of these films. Like, the fact that The Dark Knight, yes, a comic book film, but a crime thriller, a heist movie, a detective story. You know, it just managed to take the concept of what a comic book film is and just um, elevate it to something even more. Make it something that we can think and something yeah, that has yeah. more substance to it. And that's what I feel like this movie does so well. There's a lot more substance where we can think about things, where we can have the conversations that we just had. And, you know... The fact that people kind of rallied against this film for reasons that it's like, you should have just watched the film before you kind of said what you had to say because that probably set off more than what was intended. And I don't really want to get too much into it, but I think, you know, I'm making my point with that. Yeah, and I think we can get into spoilers now, and I think that's one of my biggest annoyances with reading all these quote-unquote negative reviews is the fact that you are... It feels like all these negative reviews are just not technically shitting on the movie, they're pretty much saying, yeah, there's a lot of the the production of the film, the making of the film was great. Joaquin's great, but it's too dangerous. It's too this. It's too that. And I'm like, in my head, I'm like, it's no, it's quite important. I think just people are afraid of just understanding that this is the reality. Like they live in this whole little bubble that, you know, 
everything is rainbows and butterflies, and that's just not the way society in this world works anymore. And I think this movie shows that, like Jen mentioned, it's a lot grittier than maybe it really is, but who knows, you know? Maybe it is that bad for someone. Well, you know, I just think typically, right, like movies, you go to a movie to escape yeah. reality. You go to a movie to see a fantasy. You go to a movie to see, you know, like take a break from the world. Um, you know, obviously life is not like the movies. And so, like, I think the best movies are actually when a movie just shows the realism of the day and points to it. I feel like those are the ones that are the ones that stand the test of time and last the longest. Um, and they're just stronger overall, I think. Yep. But so like also like uh, there's something that David mentioned and like as far as like why there's criticism for Joker and not for John Wick. Gotcha. But it's also something that Jenny called out. She specifically said this is the first time she's actually sympathized with a Joker. Mm-hmm. That's where this differs from John Wick. So you feel you disgusting and gross for sympathizing. Yeah. Joker's a character that we as, as comic book fans, we know is a mass murderer, right? He's a psychopath that has caused a lot of death and a lot of evil in his like what like 80 years of existence yep so when you go into a movie and you leave it saying wow you know what now i kind of feel bad for this guy that's a dangerous slope to go down whereas if you're a fan of john wick headshotting 72 people in part one you're doing it because a good guy got his dog killed like you feel less dirty about it yeah but like when you're going into a movie and now you're rooting for someone that's been pretty much quintessential villain there's something that like i think society tells you you shouldn't be doing yeah you feel gross for yeah, yeah i get you. well yeah i think i think going on that you like because like we all know the end game of the joker yep we all know where yeah. like if this is the if this is an origin like we know where this leads so like this is a dangerous first step like even though like we would rather turn a blind eye to like oh he's just a bad person that may not necessarily be true considering like everything that he's gone through not to sit not to like obviously go off on his his uh future actions but like it's like yeah it's tough because like i think this where like the comic book thing goes against it whereas like we know what happens we know where the rest of this goes yep whereas like it's like for John Wick, we see him as a hero because he's just defending himself. Yeah, gotcha. So, uh, I guess since we are in spoilers now, I did want to talk about Chris's big beef with the movie. And then <laughs> it's, not a, it's not a big beef. Oh, boy. It just don't. It's just I just don't see it as being necessary. So I think it's necessary. It's is it necessary? Necessary? No. I see where your point there is, but we've never seen the Waynes killed with this. With the Joker being the reason for it. We've seen Jack Napier, and I'm not talking about like him pulling the trigger. I'm talking about the revolution he created in the film led to the Wayne's death. Because when the guy, if that's supposed to be Joe Chill, when he shoots the Waynes in the alley, he says the same thing to the Thomas Wayne that the Joker said to Murray on the show he says you get what you fucking Murray. deserve Murray. <laughs> um, he says you get what you fucking deserve and then he shoots thomas wayne and i think the way that they did it this time around yes it's the same thing we've seen millions of times but i think at least they tried to do it a little differently that they actually rather than just like this guy that's just trying to rob them they actually it's someone that 
was driven and motivated by the Jokers. Yeah, no, I I I see where it fits. It's like I said, like it's just I I didn't need it. I think they if they were gonna like incorporate uh, Arthur with Bruce's life, they did that with like the dude, random dude just putting his fingers in Bruce's mouth. Like I think that's like he's gonna realize who that is. I just don't think in the the ethos like you need the Joker to be uh, that catalyst. And I I. And, I like um, what you said before, Chris, that we know where it's going. I particularly love that scene with him and Bruce because I just uh, see them together yeah. and I'm like, we know what's going to happen. See, like, yeah, five I, years from now. I know. Like, I, I would prefer that scene if they just left that. Like, I'm just like, yeah, like that would scar talking about realism. Like, how would like, how would you react to that? That's something that you would never forget as a child. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. And then like. Like, yeah, like, if, if in fact, like, Bruce's parents are to die that night, like, you don't, you don't need, because he already has that catalyst, because he's going to realize who that is. Yeah, that's As true. it grows up. By the way, I, like, I pass Crime Alley every day now going to work, yes. and it's, it's wonderful. I'm well, still, I'm still looking for the pearls, Chris. Can't no, them. no pearls, Jenny. I'm telling you, it's a death sentence. So I actually I thought about buying Jenny pearls. I do, don't I do it. have pearls already. Get rid of them. <laughs> um, what do we think about the I, the Murray scene at the end, with which is re- reminiscent to the Dark Knight Returns, Returns when the yeah. Joker goes on the talk show and kills the talk show? What do we, what do we think about that scene? I think it's one oh. of my favorite scenes, actually. I actually think um, hmm. you sort of see the transition. Like, he goes in with a plan of how he's going to be. I think he was going to kill himself. No, he was. And well... The, and then yes. when he saw that yeah. they played the video again and right. they showed him smoking and him just looking, I'm like, oh, I'm going I'm to fucking he, kill this yeah. guy. I think he just like something there, another break, right? It was just the final straw for him. And I like the way that you see the emotions and through Joaquin's acting and like just how he transitions and like you just see it all in that scene. And he went in with a plan and then he was like, you know what? Forget it. And then he goes in with another one. And not because of anything, I thought the scene was especially strong when he just goes straight for the head, and yeah. that, and you see it, and it's just like that kill shot. Yeah. Because that is something when people kill that close, anyway, like that is intentional. Well, everything's mm. I guess intentional, but that is like he's like, no, fuck you right now, and like straight shot to the head, right, and then, you know, that's it. He just keeps keeps going. It was just such a great scene. Yeah, what do you guys think, Leo? Uh, I think it was a cool addition to it. I think kind of like what you called back, there was enough of like little sprinkles of comic book scenes to keep the comic book fans at least a little bit more engaged into it. Mm-hmm. I think it was a, it was a close enough to the Dark Knight Returns scene yeah. to be like, okay. I mean, for anyone that's not aware, on the Dark Knight Returns, in the Dark Knight Returns, he does kill the host, but he does kill everyone else in the audience. Yeah. But he used Smilex gas. That would be a little too cheesy. <laughs> And that's not really grounded in realism, so <laughs> um, so I, I was cool with that. What about you, Ben? 
Uh, I definitely was, like, just wondering, like, okay, how is this, like, the whole time, like, how is this going to play out since he was planning on killing himself? Um, and then, again, it, when it comes to the progression, you know, you figured, oh, he's going to do this grand thing. Arthur, he's going to basically, you know, try to put on a show. But then we see, like, him making the morbid joke, the fact that he's calling Murray out, the fact that it's like, yeah, you called me up here to make fun of me, and you're no better than, like, say, those those um, Wall Street yuppie bastards that I wound up killing. So, you know, this is what happens. This is what happens when you push society far. And then it is interesting, like, the fact that the film was, like, again, the whole going back to the whole people getting, like, oh, you feel gross or sympathizing with him. And, oh, it's going to be so violent and glorifying. It's like, yeah, the, him killing Murray, it was a, definitely, you felt the fact, like, shit, that fucking felt real. But, again, it felt like, to me, you know, that was kind of how far you'd push somebody. The fact that he did that just showed, like, yeah, he didn't care anymore. So, like, yeah, I got nothing to lose, which is by far the scariest thing that it happened with Arthur. Like, he's at a point that he has nothing to lose, so why bother? And by then, you can tell, and this is thanks to, uh, I'm going to butcher her name, Hildor Gunadorte? I have no idea what. Uh, yeah, so she's the composer of the film, which is a f- masterpiece. Yay, ladies. She, I have the CD, by the way. It is. She's a, I've been oh, listening nice. to it every day. I think she's day. an Icelandic musician. Yeah, she just did the score and won the Emmy for like Chernobyl. York? Yep. And the score is fucking incredible. I think what works so well with the score, too, is that it progressively gets darker. In, yeah. With the score, the, as, as Arthur progresses, the score gets darker and darker and darker. And then... um. I don't know if you guys knew this. Uh, I think, Ben, you posted something about it, and I posted something about it as well. Um, the scene in the bathroom after he kills the subway, the, the the three Wall Street guys on the subway. Yes. Yeah. This this is very unique for a film. Usually a score is done after the film is completed. Hildur was making the score while the film was being made, so that scene was supposed to be a little different. He was supposed to go in the, into the uh, bathroom and get rid of the gun, but... He they wanted to do something different. Him and Todd were in the bathroom and he was listening to the score and Joaquin created that dance listening to that score. Oh shoot. So it it was it went together. And I think it shows I think it like synced up really well. And I know that there even I think the New York Times did a criticism like where they sort of had someone that is a professional ballet dancer and how um they just kind of wrote about how effective like Joaquin how effectively he used his body to show those emotions and I think a lot of it too right the withering of society and Mm. the withering of his body and you seeing his ribs and how that makes you feel uncomfortable um especially in certain scenes when he's really like you kind of see that protrusion coming out and so um the fact that like he was able to use his body with all of these movements I mean not just that's also a very strong scene in the bathroom but I think Obviously, the stair scene is yes. a very big, and just a transition from that Gary Glitter song straight into oh the dance the yeah, score. That's perfect. Like it's just it just it's great. Like it's a very good um, and that well and the cinematography is also incredible in that movie. That's by Lauren Schur. It's probably the best cinematography I've seen this year. I don't know if you guys okay. would, would agree with Even me on that. Even more than, I figure, um, Irishman. No, cinematography is great in that, but this is very, this and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood are probably my two favorite cinematographies of the year, but this is n- number one by a lot. I I think it's getting an Oscar nomination because it captures 
1981 brilliantly. I don't think there's anything like you. Sometimes you watch movies like a perfect example. I don't know if you guys have ever seen that terrible John Travolta movie, Gotti. Yeah. <laughs> Chris, I, Chris, you a fan? No, I've never seen that. So I have. you watch the movie and you you feel like you're in 2018. You don't feel like you're in 1980 or whatever. With the Joker, you feel like you're in 1981. And the, and also in, t- in terms of cinematography and production design, I love the color scheme and the color palettes that they use yeah. for the Murray show because it made Joker's suit and his makeup pop out more. I don't know if you guys noticed that. I thought that was brilliant. And word to Zack Snyder, you can make a dark movie and use color palettes. <laughs> just wanted to just wanted to throw that out there. Um what do you guys think of the Thomas Wayne reveal? Uh, so it's funny when, I, when we first heard the casting news. Yep. Um, I was kind of like right where um, where Chris is, where it's I'm like, do we freaking need this? Like, we don't need to tie everything into Bruce Wayne and Batman. We really don't. We could just leave it alone, and like it would be what it is. And then when they, I mean, we're going to spoilers yeah, now, yeah. I guess. Full spoilers. Uh, when they made it into like a possibility of him being the sibling of Bruce Wayne. I was about to just throw up at that point. I'm like, this is just ridiculous. But the way they played it out, actually, it rebounded pretty well. Um, I wasn't fond of it, but it didn't. at the end of it, by the end of the movie, it didn't completely take anything out of so it. So I, I, when I first saw the movie, I was like, oh, maybe he's not. But I think he is his father with the, with the picture at the end of the movie. Uh, ben and Chris? Oh, no. I, I mean, like, I think... Because I think they did it ambiguous enough where, like, I was just like, uh, you could think about think, it. Yeah, but I, I, I think it holds true where, like, no, his mom was had yeah. mental problems, yeah, just as just as big as he ended up having, and like, yeah, I mean, it was just dark because like him being adopted and then her creating the story in his mind that feels more like the Joker. comic book related. Yeah, exactly. And like him being abused and stuff like that, stuff that we never actually see, and that he's has like suppressed so much because he doesn't really make any mention to that is growing up. And oh, then like yeah. when he when he finds out, like that's just like a, a big breaking point in in his brain. What uh, what about you, Ben? What do you think of that? It's interesting because all the incarnations that we've had of Thomas Wayne. It's always been that he was the shining, glimmering example for Bruce to look up to, to be that good person, to be that superhero. So to go on the dime to make him a, you know, essentially unsympathetic, but and then to have that kind of come into play, like, oh, maybe he is, you know, he, he, he had an affair and then he's trying everything to, like, suppress it or maybe it did happen. So, it, it, that yeah, that ambiguous part really just made the film a lot more engaging because it tries to say, like, you know, go, go on with the fact of, like, another part of the film where is this going on in Arthur's head or is he playing himself like that? Yep. That's... That I really found, that I really found engaging, and then again, I kind of, I really liked how the actor really, you know, played like the duality of like, yeah, this is supposed to be the shimmer example of what Thomas Wayne we know, and then mm. the behind of like, yeah, he can kind of be somewhat of a prick. And I think, um, origin of story aside, I think this captures the one thing that the Joker has always been over the past eighty years, and that's a untrustworthy narrator (laughs) because like i i argued with i argued with someone about the movie and they're like oh that's not like it i like the joker the way we know him i'm like as an untrustworthy narrator and they're like yeah i'm like that's exactly what he does here 
They, like you, it's a lot of stuff is ambiguous. Like the Z, I, I forgot. I think her name is Sophie Zazzy Beats. I actually yeah. love that. I yeah. absolutely love that. Jen actually was saying like she would have disliked if she if that their relationship was real, because that's not true to who Arthur was. So I I absolutely love that reveal. I mean I don't I don't think, and I think that's why she really didn't get any too much character development because her purpose was to be there as a I well, yeah MacGuffin in a way like you're, okay. yeah I guess because okay. like I see what you're saying where like I the character that we see her play isn't real yep like they're like all of her attributes and all that stuff like her showing like kindness to him that's all made up yep so like it's like like yeah like he that's and that's after his medication cut so it just like lends more into like like yeah he's got problems do you He's think? Got... Do you think he kills her? They never uh, really. They never really. No, say they it. don't. No, I, I, I was uh, second guessing it until the scene, which I'm going to talk about next, with the, the asshole coworker. Yes, that and was, like that and pretty the, much and the, ra- and the other and the little person. Yeah, like where he was like, "You're the only one that was ever nice to me," and he kissed him on the forehead and let him go. Yep. yep. I think that kind of shows, like, all right, he didn't kill Sophie, but that. Oh, is wait, wait. A, Go ahead. Just go ahead. say go on guards to that. Didn't did you have to chuckle a bit when obviously he couldn't get out? It's yeah. like yes. yeah, So I was actually about to comment on that because that is the most Joker thing ever. Where like it would be the Joker to make you think you're about to get away, but you're like, nope, he can't open the door unless he gets Arthur's help. So I thought that was the most Joker thing. And also back on the cinematography, the blood splatter on his face when oh, he kills with that yeah. was fucking gorgeous to look at. Um. What do you guys think of the suit? Because it's the first time he's done burgundy and not purple. Yeah, it works. Yeah, yeah, I think burgundy was an adaptation of purple. That's just less. Yeah, I, I, I think it looks really good. All right. Um, any other? But you figured just to say, you figured that yeah, you, you did with the purple thing, but doesn't that kind of fit in nicely with like the '80s aesthetic? Like, yep. you yeah. figure Perfect. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, what it reminds me. It reminds me of like that classic um, line from the now classic X Men One. Uh, like, <laughs> what'd you expect? Yellow spandex. Yeah. Like, oh, was, yeah. it, was, it was like a different take on it, but it still got it. It gave the effect. Uh, um, any more spoiler talk before we get into our final rankings of Joker? Uh, just honestly, just I love my favorite scene because you guys mentioned your favorite scenes. Yep. Um, the the buildup of the stairs, because during yes. the beginning of the movie, yes. you keep seeing him going up the stairs, defeated slowly, and it's like even the 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 cinematography of how like the setting was gray and gloomy. Until eventually you see him finally come down the stairs in full Joker garb. It's brighter out. It's sunny. And he's just a changed man. It's a new day. Yes, I think that was just beautiful. Just beautiful the way that whole scene, those scenes kept building up to each other. Yep. And um, in terms of that, you see him like you mentioned he slouched too, right? Yeah. Okay. So I I didn't hear that. Uh, What about you, Jen? Any last spoiler things you really enjoyed? Um... I think just his just his acting. I really I was very um, enamored with it. Let's say like I think I think he did a lot just using like his facial expressions, his body. Um, you know, I think that's where the best acting comes in and and movie portrayals portrayals that leave you with something. Like you leave Joker and you're just like, wow. Yep. It, it's. No, no better acting than that. So yep. that's why I feel like he is. If he's not a lock, 
he's in great contention for that Oscar. And that's the sure. before Chris and, and Ben goes, since you segued into it. So the Academy did see Joker this past weekend, and it seems like it's divisive. Okay. Like it's been uh, a lot of people love it. The one thing that's going to help Joaquin is that everyone that may have not liked it loves Joaquin. So I think that's going to help his chances. And the movie making a bajillion dollars. I, I joked about it before it came out. This may be the Bohemian Rhapsody of 2019. Because huh. Bohemian Rhapsody, not completely loved by critics. I personally really enjoy it. And the movie made a lot of money. And then it ended up winning the most Oscars at the Academy Awards last year. So uh, Ben, Chris, any last minute, any last spoilers that you wanted to talk about? Uh, Chris, you got anything? Because I would like to uh, go fast if you don't mind. No, yeah, no, I, I, I don't have to think we have any more like spoily, spoilery things. But like, no, it's just really well done. I think it's a, it's a solid entry. I think we talked when it first was announced. Like, I have a very low bar for anything DC. I think this. <laughs> candidly, Amen, bro. Amen. Uh, Amen. DC cinema, I should say. Um, I think this is good. I mean, I. Hope it's a standalone. I have yeah, no desire yeah. to for them to dip back into this well, and and we'll go from there. If it's a standalone film, like uh, I love what they did with it. Okay, right, so just gotta try to be quick with my stuff. But um, the beginning, like when he does that thing with the children at the hospital, and then the gun winds up falling out. Anybody, any particular reaction? Because I guess, like, oh shit! And then he tried playing off like, shh, don't say anything. Yeah, I, his, yeah. his initial reaction was hilarious when he was like. <laughs> I thought that was fun. I I chuckled a little bit there, but yeah, that and I I love um actually do like that scene. It was very heartfelt until, you know, he got fired with the gun. Yeah. Um, the other the one scene I was generally shocked at, like just in general, was like how he when he finds out or he looks at his file and saw like he got abused, he was adopted, and he goes back to his mother, smothers her, mm. and just how cold and stoic his delivery was i was like oh my god that that just is chilling itself back like he's like this is how it's done and he, she's trying to fight and he has like no emotion i'm like excellent acting joaquin yeah fucked and, up scene and not, very fucked and up not scene. even just the excellent acting that's the only part of the movie that doesn't use a score when he's killing his mother Oh, I did not. Yeah, I did not notice that. So it adds to the impact of the moment. Because you want to hear the breath leaving. Yeah. Like you want to feel that coldness. Yeah, and they made sure not to leave away from that until you know that she had passed away. Yeah, and I guess the last thing was, you know, I don't know if we touched up on it, but the actual end when he's talking to his new doctor. And, you know, he references back to, like, which I guess is just how something, how he's, we see Bruce with the dead parents, and he's like, oh, it's a joke, you wouldn't get it. And she's like, try me, and then that last bit of him walking down the hall with yeah. the bloody footprints. So, that's like, I don't know, I don't know if people are like, said. well, I know people said they were off-putted by that, saying, oh my god, that went too far, this and that. Could you say, it was that in his head, possibly? Dude, or he did something... Yeah, I good, love the fact that yeah. it leaves you. It leaves you. I think that's the point. I don't think that it was all. In, here's my thing. I think that scene may be of him incarcerated or l a lot later on, and he's reminiscing on what got him there. Well, I think that's. But I think like like Ben kind of like hit on it. Like, and you've been touching on it like for the last like five episodes that we've been do doing with this. It's multiple choice. Yeah. 
this is possibly the origin, but it or it's possibly not. it's all in his yeah. head. And his that's what the Joker just, has always yeah. been and will always will be. Also, this victim is his sixth victim in the film, and everyone else before he had a reason to kill, but he really didn't have a reason. No, to he kill was gone this by woman. then. He was gone. But he was done. He was the so Joker. By right. now, he was the Joker. So right, like now is when I feel like you transition into like he doesn't. Now the joke is just he killing. He has no code now. Like this is whoever is up for grabs. Yep. Yeah, I, Arthur is officially gone. Yeah. By that point. By the time he hits on those stairs, he's gone. He's the Joker. Um. So I guess we'll finish off by, uh, upsetting David. I mean, no one's gonna upset me. Uh. So we can rank our our Jokers. Okay. So, right. uh, we can just do one by one. Our is anyone have Leto not the last one? Leto's <laughs> Like, Where are the papers? I'll stop. sign. Yeah, sign those papers. One. You can leave now. <laughs> okay. Quick, quick thing. Quick thing. Go uh, anyone, anyone hear about the fact that apparently he was upset yes. that this was happening? Yes. yes that sucks. That, we talked about Jennifer Aniston not being invited to the party. He got kicked out <laughs> of the party. So, <laughs> so yeah, he's gonna be he's gonna be angry. But okay. I feel like that's what he had. Like that's what was given to him. So yeah. I feel like so that was the script. That was how it was written. Here's the only way I'll She's defend the Leto. Of the time. Leto has the misfortune of being in between two of the greatest performances of the century, <laughs> Ledger and Phoenix. Mm. And now because he's stuck in the middle there. His pro- here's my thing. His it, performance that was wasn't terrible, even if it happened between those two. But I don't think his performance, it, it, like Jen said, it's what he was given. Right. Like his movie was what what it was. Leto is not a bad actor. I was no. actually excited when he was cast as so the Joker. Fair, I loved his performance as Joker. I just didn't like the look of his Joker. Oh no, the look was but not like, good. But like, think about like like the, the scenes with Harley, the scenes that like yeah. uh, like him like lying in a like circle filled with guns and yeah. stuff. Like he was maniacal too. Yeah. Uh, but you're right. Comparing him to either Not to one Chris. of those two. Yeah. No, no. I, yeah, he sucks. He sucks. I don't know. Why. <laughs> uh, I mean, could, could you argue that it's like, okay, this is the David Ayer Joker and the fact that Leto was like, okay? Like, yeah. I mean, as, as it said, like, this was what he was given. They really missed the opportunity of making him the central villain of the film, they which did. probably could have given yeah. him something more, but... On a whole, just that the whole way they used him, I felt was like, yeah, that was like a thrown out the window, wasted opportunity. We could have probably seen something good, but this is unfortunately what we're given and what he's forced to have. And now we get to see him as Morbius the Vampire. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, next up on the list, I have Cesar Romero. But this is when they get good, you know. Yeah, Romero we're only doing live action. I'm not going to put in Mark Hamill or anything for this. Anyone not have Cesar Romero next on the list? Or no, I agree. So far, we agree. Yeah, All I right. agree. So next up, I have Jack Nicholson. Oh wait, are you going to put the uh, the kid from Gotham at all? No. Okay, good. Okay. Uh, we, yeah. we, I like it. I like. I like your list. You made Chris now. laugh, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, no Jerome in this. Okay. No, no, your your quick no is. Like... <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. So no, no, no issues on Nicholson there. Uh, okay, I, I have I have something I want to ask, and no, it's not to shit on the performance or whatever, because it is Nicholson. Yeah. But being said, us having known Nicholson from his earlier days, yeah. like his acting days, and from what he is as an actor now, especially to what we've been given now with all these Jokers, could you say, yes, it's a good performance, but it's a Jack Nicholson performance trying to be the Joker? Like, I'm playing devil's advocate no, saying, yeah, I love it. I could see what you mean. Yeah. Like Al Pacino being Al Pacino. 
and what he does. I don't. Yeah, that's kind of what I said. Like again, yeah. I love the performance, and it's it really just fits to what I think Burton was going for. Yeah. But it's compared so, to what we got, it's like because he, he was a mob boss Joker more so than an actual my, my, maniacal Joker. Like I see where Ben's coming from, but my thing with Nicholson in particular is that Nicholson is the more campy Joker. Campy Joker is splatter all over the 60s and 70s comics. Yeah. And even though Batman 89 is a quote unquote, if it's not dark in today's, you know, <laughs> yeah, term, no. but yeah. like it was supposed to be a dark movie. But I think it was a good casting. It was a great casting. He is like, the Joker. Eyebrows, yeah, yeah, it's like perfect. His, but again, um, you know, back to like facial expressions. And I think the way he like picks his, his timing, his comedic timing for it. I think worked really well in the movie. No, no, I love I, Nicholson and the fact that yeah, he I says agree. he says lines that make make, make zero fucking right, sense. But his delivery. Like uh, the rubber eyes of a mind's make a mookie. Like what? And then this town needs an enema. Sure, why not? Um, and what's everyone's favorite? Ever dance with the devil in the pale moonlight? So, uh, but yeah, so Nicholson's my three, and this is I guess where some of us now may this differ. This is where we're gonna differ. Yeah. So. I have Phoenix as one A. I can't even want to put him at two. He's like one B. Like, okay. but if you know, Phoenix, if you have to pick. Yeah, if I had to pick, I will say why. And I let Phoenix is my number two. What do you? Do you have to do number two? Phoenix is my number two. It, I agree. I may change. I may, but it's still. I what no. Ledger did was. I agree. Was I agree. Something special. I don't. You know, that's where I have Phoenix at two as well. Uh, Chris. Uh, yeah, I probably have Phoenix. I personally love how sneaky, sadistic Jack Nicholson's Joker is. I think it gets lost because we all seen it when we were like kids. Yeah. But he's very, very dark in that movie. That goes underrated. But do you want to, Do you have yeah. any any specific scenes like you want to throw in there? That uh, oh, he's gonna put laughing gas throughout yeah. all of Gotham on floats. The buzzer, yes. the, bu- yeah. the hand, what, the hand yeah. buzzer yeah. scene, the hand buzzer, the hand buzzer. Yeah. Like he's. He shows like similar to Levenger where he, it's not about money. He's giving out money to prey on the greediness of Gotham citizens. Yeah. And no one ever knows that that's real money, Does, too. Yeah. Cause Doesn't it, even blink an eye. In the novelization of Batman 89, it is shown that it's not real money. That oh, he just really? gave out fake money in order to get everyone at Gotham Square so he can give them I a like it being ass. real money more. That he doesn't give a he shit. He doesn't give a shit. And yeah. What about you, Ben? Where do you have? Do you have Phoenix first or Ledger? Um, thinking about it now, it, it's, it's, yeah, I would say, uh, Ledger would have to be, like, I have a specific reason why I would put Ledger at the top, but, I mean, again, Phoenix, it's like you, it's 1A and 1B in that sense, because, mm-hmm. again, we see so much more than we normally do with the Joker with Phoenix, like, in the sense yep. of, like, you know, this could possibly be, it has the layered, it has the nuances, so, that's my particular reasoning, um, I, I don't know if I should just say why I have Ledger at 1, so, uh, I, I, I guess yeah, you can... Say it. Go ahead, okay. go ahead. Well, no, because it kind of is synonymous to what we've known the Joker and to what I think Nolan achieved to want. It's an absolute version. You know, we shouldn't really know his backstory. It should be more of the multiple choice when he's given off the explanations. It's truly chaos incarnate with that character. The fact that this is a man with nothing to lose, no fucks given, and ultimately just going all out, being this force to be reckoned with. Whereas with Phoenix, yes, it's the beginning, but, you know, again, being the, you know, people who love Batman and everything. It's like, you know, it's great that we saw the beginning, but how could it be, how would that beginning play out over, say, illustrious career of being the criminal? So it's like, yeah, it should, the Joker should be a standalone, but now 
I'm trying not. I'm trying to word this right, but it's essentially like, yeah, I I would like to have seen what they could have done, but then again, it's like, no, Joker needs to be by itself. But where could they have gone if you know Phoenix continues, if if Todd um, Todd Phillips continues, and we saw the Joker continue to be his crimes, lose himself, and maybe see his beginnings kind of play into that. Whereas Ledger's Joker, it's just you know the absolute version of just that version, in my opinion. Yep. Yeah. And I think he blends in the serious with the campy as well because he has moments that he is a little hokey but when he's serious ledger's joker is untouchable and i think the performance itself it's Mm -hmm. untouchable i think i he does so much with so little that when you're in a two and a half hour movie this guy was in the movie for 25 minutes you feel that he is in two hours of that movie why? Because of his performance and the impact he left on the film. Joaquin is fantastic. I like. It, I'm not shitting on it. I fucking think that's my favorite performance, right next to Ledger of the 2000s. So, I just, just don't think we get enough of pure Joker with Phoenix. Yeah, because he's not like, Joker for yeah. until the last 25 minutes. Well, exactly. Funny. In a sense, like they both spend as much time Joker in the oh, movie because of the fact that we're, we're with Arthur so yeah. much of the Joker movie. That's about the same amount of time as yeah, Joker. Good point. So Joaquin's performance as a whole is incredible, but yeah. I just think I, 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 and I also, I also put for me, I don't know how other people feel. Ledger is so is like mythic to me at this point. Maybe one day I'll watch Joker enough times that it'll be up there, but I, I would never. I can't say it's too soon. And I think Ledger, what Ledger did, I think Ledger made a comic book film performance respectable by others that are not in fans of the genre. But go ahead. You have a hot take. <laughs> um, but certainly not Archie. So I know that it's for sure. Archie, no. <laughs> it feels Archie should be the next big villain for no. Batman. Ooh, um, Todd Phillips takes no, over Archie. No, these are all like great points. I just, I really go back to like, who can I relate to the most? And so, like, Joaquin's Joker really resonated with me. Um, I think a little bit more than Ledger's Joker. They're both at the top of my list, clearly. Um, but I guess it would be good to, like, put it where that 1A, 1B. But if you have to make me pick with, like, number one and two. <sighs> it's tough. It's tough. I don't know. I just feel like... but. That was a really good point where the fact that, like, they really did have the same amount of screen time as Joker. Because um, we hadn't talked about that before mm. either. So I guess I would still put Ledger as number one. What a change. She, we, got oh into, we got into a fight on the train no, about no, no. this. We didn't get into a fight. <laughs> she this, was This lying. is how it went. After we saw the second, for the second time, I was like, again, with my I can relate to the Joker. Yeah, yeah. It's a totally different thing. It resonated way differently than it did with Ledger. Ledger does get campy at times throughout it. Okay. And then meanwhile, basically, David was like, no, well, you don't know that much about the Joker as I do. And then that's where it ended. Well, she doesn't. So. Oh, oh boy. That's where (laughs) it ended. And we just didn't talk anymore. Until now. Because. Until now. It's. It's okay if someone has a different of opinion course. than you. So. Of course. <laughs> Anywho, um, so I'm glad we all think Ledger's still number one, uh, but we all appreciate <laughs> Joaquin's work. Hopefully, this movie will resonate with an Academy Award. I know it's not all about awards, but it would give it the that fucking extra guy deserves bit of, it. Yeah. The fucking guy deserves it. And he's never won one, so 
Hopefully they can campaign him well. And he's out there. Joaquin's not the type. And anyone that knows his career, Jen can attest, and Ben, like, he doesn't do this. He doesn't. Like, he doesn't do media like this, and he's all over the place. He's doing the talk show circuit right yep. now. Yeah, I saw him on Jimmy Kimmel, too. But like, So hopefully this yeah. leads to something. So go ahead, Ben. Just to say, because I know you mentioned Kimmel's. I don't know if anyone's ever looked at the comments or read anything about it, how apparently it's like, yeah, did you see the movie Kimmel? You're kind of being the dick that Murray was, and Joaquin's kind of giving you a death glare, so why don't you... <laughs> yeah, right? Like, literally, like you're just reenacting the scene from the movie. <laughs> for sure. All right, so, uh, Ben, thank you for joining us and telling us about your experience on set. We, you are more than welcome to join us anytime. Chris, I guess you can hey. come back. Hey. Well, thank you. It's always... It's, that's what the last time. It was fun being on here, and... Um, Hey, well, I guess we'll see. Maybe we'll have other controversies. Oh, I was going to say, because I, I don't know. You, you always say you don't like being devil's advocate. I could arguably uh, rec uh, offer my services in certain situations. If you need a devil's advocate, just for fun, <laughs> I can do that for you. Absolutely. You're more than welcome to do that. And Chris, uh, good luck with Football Sunday. Yeah. Oh, what, what, oh we're off already. We already took care of business. <laughs> yeah, it's just Bucks for losers. There you go. All right. Leo, get that win, baby. I see you. In the <laughs> with swag. God, I hate the Jets. <laughs> All right. I'll see you, see you next week. Later, everybody. Bye, guys.